You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Memorial Day Monday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. I've got a full studio with me today. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry, a four-person show, kind of like the good old days today. And uh, we've got a lot to talk to you about. We'll have Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. Plains and parking lot. He'll be on at 4 o'clock to discuss Auburn baseball as Auburn, for the second consecutive year and the first time in program history, will host a regional again for the first time that they're hosting for two consecutive seasons. And so we'll talk to you all about that with, with Kevin and also uh, just throughout the show, kind of previewing that regional, the, the schedule situation, who they've got, who they're matched up with, that sort of thing. We've also got a lot more in the sports world uh, as we await the Janai Broom decision which could come during the show it should be coming today at some point hopefully it comes during the show so we can talk a little bit about what that decision is he's had a tweet today uh and it's uh i'm confused i don't know what will happen i'm very much 50 50 we'll see if the guys are also 50 50 but we'll get everyone's take on janai broom we've also had some crazy things happen in the sports world we've had uh a a crazy ending to game six of the nba eastern conference uh conference finals we had a crazy indianapolis 500 where a tire almost went into the stands uh at over two 200 miles per hour. We've had a lot of crazy things happen in the sports world. We've got the Coke 600 going on right now. So a lot to preview and, and kind of recap today. And again, uh, of, of course, on a Monday show, we'll have our best and worst of the weekend, uh, have a nightly TV guide at the end, and also birthdays and sports in a little bit. And of course, all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 9 Again, Ryan, Tom, Brant, and Cam with you here today. We'll start with you, Tom. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was great. And uh, yeah, big sports weekend. Uh, I... I I, w- I actually sat and watched the Indy 500 because that that's the only open-wheel race I really care to watch. And I watched that one, and, man, what an exciting finish to that. Uh, it turned into like a NASCAR race at the end with the red flags and the, the sprint to the finish. And, uh, man, the, the wrecks, the in-car camera of the dude flipping upside down. Was, uh, there was just so much incredible stuff with that. So good stuff there. Um Braves with a big bounce back win last night uh, after kind of struggling there for a little bit against the uh, the Phillies, who they should not be struggling with, and got a huge win last night. Auburn, of course, you mentioned uh, regional spot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend of work, a good weekend of watching sports, uh, 
good weekend of cooking a big old steak on the grill. Uh, that a boy? It, so, uh, yeah. Nice. It, it was. It was. I did one of the big tomahawk ribeyes. Oh. So. so you gotta let me know so I can come over and <laughs> grab a bite or two. Ate on, ate on that for like two and a half days. Sheesh. Dang. Uh, so, well, yeah. good for you, man. It's a good, good weekend. <laughs> uh, Brant Dotfrey, fresh off a trip to his hometown. Brant, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I drove uh, drove over on Friday. Drove back this morning. Uh, I had a lot of fun celebrating. Uh, not just my birthday, but I have another friend over there whose birthday was on uh, Friday, I believe it was. Maybe Saturday, actually. Uh, but yeah, I got, I got to celebrate both our birthdays and uh, just see, see some people I haven't seen since the last time I was over there, which was, you know, probably Christmas. So uh, it was good to get back over there yeah, and yeah. see some folks. And uh, yeah, but like you said, crazy sports weekend. Uh, game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. I watched the last three seconds, and what a final three <laughs> seconds to watch! Uh, I- incredible. And uh, you better believe I'll be glued to every second tonight. And uh, another another thing I'm going to be glued to tonight: Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka, now oh. uh, making his. First start for the Braves since August of 2020, uh, coming back from those two uh, Achilles tears, and uh, hopefully he can get things rolling again. If there's any team you want to try and make a comeback against, it's this year's Oakland A's, who are on pace to go 29 and 133. So yeah. if you're if you're going to you're going to come back and kind of test some things. This is a good bunch to do it against. So yeah. hopefully the uh, hopefully that goes well. Uh, also and um, man, I, a lot of stuff. I don't watch racing, but a, a tire going into the stands seems like a bad idea. Uh, seems like something you don't want. And obviously, Janai Broom is going to be the big story of the day whenever his announcement comes. Expected in the couple in the next couple of hours. I I, I was leaning towards him leaving. I'll be honest. In the past day or so. Uh, I've kind of started coming around to the expectation that he'll come back. I, I think I'm honestly 60-40 on I think he'll come back. But We've all it, had it, that. It, yeah, right it, at 60-40. Yeah, it could, get, it could go either way at this point. So just waiting on him to make that announcement. And uh, hopefully he does come back to Auburn. I think it spells really good things for next basketball season if Janai Broom is on that roster. And then Cam Berry also on the show. Cam normally on Wednesdays and Fridays, but we'll – uh, be out of town for some of those. T- uh, so this is his lone appearance on the show this week. Cam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Enjoyed a lot of sports this weekend, right? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, just got to go to the Braves game. I actually went there. So that was a great game to end up going to. Just kind of decided my girlfriend and I the last second, we were like, yeah, let's go to the game. It was either that. We were thinking about going to the SEC championship. Um, and, uh, you know, even even the, the baseball tournament was good. Texas A&M making their run um, from as a 10 seed going all the way to the championship game, although they did end up losing. That's a that's a pretty good, pretty good run. And it, I think it helped to get them uh, kind of push them into the into the tournament and solidified that for them. Um Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I I mean I've been pulling for the Heat this entire time. Uh, I I am a pretty uh, I like Jimmy Butler a lot. Um, and, and man, this watching them kind of blow this three zero lead has has really been tough. Uh, and and I thought that he had it after Jimmy made those three free throws and iced it. And then Derek White, man, just uh, I mean just kind of saved the Celtics season. So we got this game seven in Boston tonight. And and like Brand, I will be glued to that TV watching it 
excited to excited again, you know, for the Braves as well. Like like Brant also mentioned, Michael Soroka being back and uh, going against an A's team that is like historically bad. So uh, it'll it'll be some uh, it'll leave some opportunity for him to really get his feet wet in the in the MLB again. Uh, in the majors and uh, yeah I'm just I'm excited for him I'm happy for him that guy's been through a lot um, in the past uh, few years so for him to be able to get back up here to the majors uh, that's really significant and so um, yeah just happy for him hope he does well I mean obviously just him being in a Braves uniform but also personally just want him to do well uh, as as a um, you know as an individual and and just uh, what he's been through um so yeah, I'm I'm doing really good. Just excited about you know just to hear about this Janai Broom situation. Hopefully he does come back because that really does uh, that Janai Broom decision really does weigh a lot on how you know Auburn's projected and how Auburn will be viewed uh, as a team overall. If he comes back, this is a really really good Auburn basketball team that we can expect to watch. If not, then you know we're gonna struggle a little bit on the interior, not have a lot of depth um in that in that front court uh and that's a little bit to worry about but uh hopefully you know we'll hear about it in a couple you know an hour a couple hours or so uh there's been some stuff on twitter that about him going and saying some things so we'll just see uh, but i'm doing great enjoyed a really great weekend and uh, absolutely glad to be here for the one day that i am here and so we will get to the Auburn Bank phone line in just a second, but want to start off as we usually do with the, the main topic or uh, one of the main topics. And, of course, that would be uh, Auburn baseball hosting another regional. They are officially the 13th seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they will have a, a regional of teams that I think it would be hard to argue anything other than a potentially very favorable uh, regional for Auburn. Southern Miss will be the two seed in the Auburn Regional. Samford will be the three seed in the Auburn Regional, and four seed will be the Quakers of Penn. Uh, the, my first instinct here is I know that people will, will show respect to these other teams. Obviously, they're NCAA tournament teams, but a real win uh, that Samford is a three seed in this regional, that both Samford and Penn are in this regional. I know people will, will talk about the incredible Saturday that Samford had at the SOCON tournament, but nevertheless, a team from a SOCON uh, with 22 losses, a team that Auburn run ruled back in April, uh, is the three seed. And then while Southern Miss is a good team, uh, they are a two seed that, look, if you're the 13 seed you're going to face a top 25 team in your regional uh, and while southern miss is good this is not a team from one of the power conferences which i think can bode well so uh i believe a favorable draw what do you guys think of this draw for auburn yeah i i think it's a very favorable draw and uh you know auburn definitely has to be the favorite in that however i i would say you know while penn and samford are definitely lay on down the line Southern Miss does pose a very dangerous challenge because they're a very veteran team. They return a lot from last year, which uh, were uh, uh, in a super regional last year. Those same guys, are, a lot of those same guys are back this year. Um, they, they haven't been able to match the what they did last year, but, I mean, that, that's a Southern Miss team that was really, really good last year, and you got a lot of those veterans back this year. So they are a very dangerous team, and, yeah, they are from a lower conference, but, man, they're they're good. So uh, you, you have to be careful with that. Auburn should not have a problem with the other two teams, but Southern Miss is definitely going to pose a challenge. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the popular opinion at this point is that 
you can't just overlook uh, the, the other two teams, but Southern Miss is going to be the one that poses the most difficult of a challenge. Like Tom said, made a super regional last year. I'm really excited to talk to Kevin and uh, in the four o'clock hour and, and get more of an insight on that uh, that matchup and uh, the guys we need to look out for. But I I do think it's going to come down to Auburn and Southern Miss, and I think that has a potential to be a heck of a battle. Yeah, should be uh, should be a really interesting. Again, Auburn should definitely be favored, right? Southern Miss being the most challenging. Samford was a great draw. Um, excited to see how this uh, how this works out, and and uh, Auburn should, you know, not cruise, but they should should play pretty well and, and continue their hot streak and be able to move on to a super regional. Let's go ahead to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 First up today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing? Fine. I got a message for, I got a message for Brent. What's up, buddy? Happy birthday to <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brent. From your friend Matt Robert. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Matt. Very well done. Thank you, sir. So, hey, Cam. Hey, what's going on, Matt? What's up? Hi, Tom. Hello. You behaving today, Tom? I, I'm I'm doing the best I can. Hey, Cam. What's going on? Yeah, you teach Tom to behave. Okay, I'll I'll be sure to do that. Hey, I got a question for all all of you guys. I read something about Devon Hunter. I heard he suspended. What did he get suspended for? Have you guys heard about that? Talking about Jarquez Hunter, uh, yeah, he is in he is uh, in suspended right now. Although he was not named, we believe he is because it was the subject of the of the response by Auburn. But he's uh, suspended for. Uh, a, a video where they're trying to gather more evidence of um, a potential sexual misconduct or at least the uh, potential that uh, a video was, was recorded without consent. And so the uh, inv- investigation is ongoing. We don't have a timetable for when uh, we expect to hear word on, on what becomes of that, but he is currently suspended during that investigation. So will he, will, he be, will he come back and play in games, in SEC play or non-conference games? Yeah, again, we we really don't know what will what will be made of this uh, of this investigation. It would be really hard to to speculate because of the difference in their in their uh, being uh, the recording being of his doing versus not of his doing, and consent versus not consent is it's a pretty drastic difference in this case. So really, it would be hard to hard to say right now. So, uh, Tom, and what what uh, what do you guys what what do you think? And do you guys know? Have you guys is Robbie Ashford still going to stay with uh, for football? Is he going to be competing for the quarterback starting the quarterback job? Yeah, I, I, Robbie Ashford is, is not indicated that he's going anywhere. In fact, everything that he has posted uh, has said that he's ready to compete for that job. So he, he's. He's not planning on leaving, and he's not just going to turn it over to uh, to the newcomer. He's just he's, he says he wants to compete for it. Well, so what time is Teron Bruin supposed to um, announce? I told my mom that I hope he comes back and my um, and says so, so. Is it later on today or something? Yeah, it is supposed to be today. We don't have the exact time. Uh, he didn't really give a particular time today, uh, but it, it should be sometime today. Hopefully, while we're on air, and uh, he'll make his decision. 
Okay, my my mom's going to probably order the tickets for me and my dad and, yeah, for me and my dad and probably my brother. But so, Cam and Brent, are you guys going to probably be at the game tonight and probably see you guys? Uh, I'm sure I'll go to at least one basketball game oh, this yeah. upcoming year, probably no, more I'm than not, that. I'm talking about the baseball. Oh, the baseball, baseball game. Um, ooh. I, ooh, I don't know. tickets are sold out. Yeah, those <laughs> tickets are sold out. I, I, I would love to get my hands on some, but uh, if I can, then... Yeah, I'll I'll I, I'll be over there, but I don't know right now. I don't know. I, yeah, I might be able to be at a game this weekend. We'll see. I I sure. might have a friend uh, who is on the team, so he might be able to get me a ticket. There's also we'll there's always room up on the parking deck with the uh, Plainsman parking that's lot and his too. crew. So hey, so Cam, do you think your friend might can get me and my dad some tickets? <laughs> no, he's got a lot of tickets with his family, so I don't even know if I'm going to get myself one. Hey, can you get his autograph for me? Get his autograph? I mean, yeah, yeah I, I can definitely do that. Okay, and and so, so but uh, do you, so what do you guys think about like um, so I heard that Texas A M and Tennessee being number two seed, and they're they have to travel away. So who are they playing uh, away for baseball? Do yeah. you guys know? Yeah, for Tennessee, they're in the Clemson regional. Clemson is the number four. Uh, national seed and Texas A&M is in the Stanford regional, so way out in in, in uh, Palo Alto, California. Oh, okay, so do you think? Uh, so, Brent, do you still think Auburn could probably still lose one game and still will maybe twelve and one probably still in football? football? I I I project Auburn to be a seven or eight win team this year. I, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, any more than nine. I think nine is kind of the ceiling right now, unless they get pretty lucky. So, so what game do you think Auburn? Like Brent, you and you and Tom can answer this, and Cam. First, what what do you guys think Auburn? What game do you think Auburn for SEC would be favored in? Uh, I think they'll be favored in the Mississippi State game. Um, maybe the Arkansas. Probably not the Arkansas game. That one's in Fayetteville. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, those lines change week to week. It, it it depends. Ask me again when football season starts. Cam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm with Brant. Just ask uh, ask us again when we get a little closer to football season, once once this entire roster is 100% rounded out, once we know all the starters, once once we kind of see how everything's going to be, we'll be able to, and for, I mean, all the other teams in the SEC as well, uh, to figure out how their teams are going to shape out, and then we'll be able to really project how Auburn's going to look um, moving forward and, and, yeah. and if they're going to be favored or not. I would say maybe about half, though, they'd be favored in them. Yeah. Well, my mom says I gotta go because I've been washing her car. She's she's so proud of me washing her car and vacuuming and such. So, so, but she says I have to go, so I'll probably call. I'll call you guys next Monday. And if you guys hear hear from Sean, tell him I said hey, and tell James and Warden Steve I said hey, and Tom behave, Brent, you guys behave, and you guys happy more late to you guys and um and such. So. Happy I'll see you guys later. War Eagle. War Eagle, Matt. Oh, War Eagle. Happy War Memorial Eagle. Day to you, too. Appreciate that phone call from Matt as we need to take our first time out of the show today when we come back. Birthdays and sports coming up. Also, another trip to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call right here on Tiger 95.9.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, Cam Barry. Got the whole cast and crew in here. Just just missing Brooks, pretty much. Just missing Brooksy. But uh, we're going to have a good time today. A lot to discuss here uh, throughout the program. Before we go any further, though, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Carmelo Anthony turns 39 today, the recently retired Carmelo Anthony. Former NBA small forward and power forward, selected third overall in the 2003 NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets out of Syracuse. Go Orange. Ten-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA second-teamer, four-time All-NBA third-teamer, 2013 scoring champ and 4 All-Rookie first-teamer, member of the NBA 75th anniversary team. At Syracuse, Anthony was 2003 NCAA champion and Final Four most outstanding player, 03 consensus second-team All-American, and was National Freshman of the Year by the USBWA and has his jersey number 15 retired by Syracuse, Carmelo Anthony turns 39 today. Started his high school career at Towson Catholic, go Owls, and then finished at uh, the very famous Oak Hill Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Go Warriors. Matt Bryant turns 48 today, former NFL kicker, went undrafted in the 1999 NFL draft out of Baylor. Go Bears. Mostly known for his time with the Atlanta Falcons, but Bryant also spent time with the New York Giants, Indianapolis Colts, Miami Dolphins, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 2016 Pro Bowler, 2016 NFL Scoring Leader, 2009 George Hollis Award, and 2002 Pro Football Riders All-Rookie Team. Matt Bryant turns 48 today. Bridge City High School, Texas. Go Cardinal. Not the Cardinals. Cardinal, kind of like Stanford. Like Stanford, Stanford. yeah. Go Cardinal. Eric Davis turned 61, former MLB outfielder, played for the Cincinnati Reds, L.A. Dodgers, Detroit Tigers, Baltimore Orioles, St. Louis Cardinals, and San Francisco Giants. Two-time All-Star, 1990 World Series champion, three-time Gold Glove Award winner, two-time Silver Slugger Award. 1997, Roberto Clemente Award winner and member of the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, Eric Davis turns 61 today. Drafted straight out of John C. Fremont High School in South L.A., go Pathfinders. Oh, that's a fun one. Pathfinders in L.A.? Yeah. I mean, I, that's not one of the locales I would have thought that you would have named something. Uh, he, he was uh, he was high school friends with Daryl Strawberry. If uh, any of y'all are well, y'all are too young to probably remember Daryl. I know Strawberry. who he is. I know, I know the name yeah. Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. yeah, they were high. They were both in the L.A. Um, he went to Fre- uh, Eric Davis went to Fremont. Uh, Strawberry went to Crenshaw, I believe. But they were both buddies in high school, and then went on to play in the MLB. 
And then last but not least, Austin Reeves turns 25 today. Current shooting guard for the Los Angeles Lakers went undrafted in the 2021 NBA draft out of Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner. At Oklahoma, Reeves was 2021 first team all Big 12. 2020 Big 12 all newcomer team. Of course, transferred from Wichita State. Go Shockers. And and, uh, (laughs) Reeves figures to get a nice payday this offseason. Austin Reeves turns 25 today. Straight out of Newark, Arkansas, Cedar Ridge High School. Go Timberwolves. This is probably the best high school name day because we didn't have – we had things we've heard of. Right, but it wasn't just like the names that tigers, yeah, that lions, tigers, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, exactly. And so that is the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Carmelo Anthony thirty nine, Matt Bryant forty eight, Eric Davis sixty one, and Austin Reeves twenty five. We're gonna go to our next timeout on the other side. More sports call. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call right here on Tiger ninety five point nine. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. this Memorial Day version of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Before we get to our next phone call, I do want to have a a few more thoughts on Auburn baseball selection into the NCAA tournament. Again, the number 13 seed. We kind of already got a look at the schedule, which is kind of an interesting one. I think I understand why, but guys, uh, Auburn will play 6 o'clock on Friday night against Penn. All right, that's the 1-4 matchup. The first game of the day will be played at 1 o'clock. The schedule for Saturday and Sunday is a 2 o'clock start time for the loser bracket game Saturday, 8 o'clock start for the winner winner's bracket game Saturday night, and then um, on Sunday, similar dynamic, 2 o'clock for the winner go-home game, and 8 o'clock for the regional final, which, of course, if the, the team with one loss wins Sunday night, there'll be a, 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 if necessary, game on Monday. So some people a little quizzical about how Auburn's going to have 8 o'clock games, assuming they are able to win in advance and, and play in these in these winner winner's bracket games. Um, does it bother you at all? Is this the time? I mean, I, I don't know if 8 o'clock – specifically is when you guys would would want to have this thing happen but i mean what do you make of uh the time schedule if it's it, if we were playing the deal the game a big deal little deal no big deal i mean do you do you find it to be a big deal do you or do you really care one way or the other uh if we're playing the game i'm gonna call it a little deal i think eight o'clock is late but also uh what what days are these games going to be played on saturday and sunday for okay the o'clock games. so it, you don't have the excuse of well you need people to get off work and then make it to the ballpark on on a saturday and a sunday um i, I think it's that fine Sunday is annoying though yeah they're about to get up for work that's true um yeah, the next day you're right absolutely i 
I think it's a little late. I, I wish it was earlier. I, I think six o'clock is kind of the perfect time to start things like that. Um, but you know, I, I'm not going to raise too much of a fuss about it. I don't really think anybody is, but it is interesting. It's definitely a talking point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really the same way. I think it's a little deal. Uh, you know, yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, it's a little bit late, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, I think that um, the genesis of this is that we talk about TV times and yeah. TV slot times. And obviously, when you've got 16 regionals, not everyone's getting on multiple games or anything like that. But you got to have some games start a little bit later. And what is so fascinating about this tournament field, and it's not shocking to those of you that followed the sport this year, but 12 of the 16 teams to host regionals are from the SEC or the ACC. There are eight regional hosts out of the Southeastern Conference, four out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. You factor in Coastal Carolina, who's also in this part of the country. You factor in Indiana State, which is, I believe, still in the central time zone, and Oklahoma State, who I think is still in the central time zone. You've only got one team out west to host, truly out west, in the Stanford Cardinal. And so TV-wise, it always is a smooth fit to jam the West Coast teams into 8, 9, 10 o'clock Central, etc. Uh, but you really don't have that. And so you either absolutely load people up at the other times or a couple Central time zone teams got to play a little bit later uh, than normal to be able to have uh, a little bit of a staggering of, of start times. And that is a, a part of how they do this. And so... I wonder if that is more related to that uh, than anything else. Uh, but it was so interesting, again, to just see the dominance of this part of the country's um, display of, of college baseball this year. Uh, again, with, with 12 of the 16 from two conferences. And, and then, again, you factor in Coastal, who's in South Carolina. That's the footprint of the SEC and ACC. Uh, you just did not have – much great baseball outside of this region of the country that's also it kind of self-feeds on why these resumes are so awesome for these teams because they went and played a lot of other regional host teams i mean when over half of an entire conference didn't just make the tournament it is the it is regional hosting tournament select i mean tournament sites i mean that it is uh, a robust schedule so i know that there's always uh, some some upset teams that didn't host and that sort of thing, but um, it's hard to say that an SEC school would not be deserving of it because literally half the league is a top sixteen team in the country, and you, that that means you're guaranteed three or four matchups with host teams. I mean Auburn, whether they had success or not, they obviously played Alabama, they played um, Arkansas, they played South Carolina, they played LSU. Uh, they, they they have four other regional you know opponents and across their schedule and then obviously played one or two additional tournament teams. I, I might actually be forgetting one series honestly. So uh, that's the nature of this field and it is to me again fascinatingly dominant for for this area of the country. Yeah, the SEC was loaded at this point. You know, just that's pretty much all we can you know build it up to is the sec was a loaded conference acc was a really strong conference but you know people that have their gripes with auburn and their their issues with auburn being a host team i mean 
they're in the best conference in the country. And, you know, it just kind of is what it is. With the times, you know, I didn't wait. You know, it it just is what it is at this point. It is frustrating that it is uh, a little bit later. Some of these games playing at eight o'clock, especially that uh, that final game playing um, in, in at eight o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, you know, people having to get up to, to work and, and games running that late. You got games going on at you know it. 10 maybe 11 o'clock at night and that that can definitely um, be a bit of a frustrating thing to think about but hey you know those that are going to show out are going to show out those that can't go can't go that's kind of how it's going to play out i still think plainsman park will be full um for the majority at least of the game um on on the sunday you know it uh you know pray that auburn does make it to that point um so that just kind of is what it is but yeah you know with the with the hosting and all people being frustrated and how it works out you know auburn was just i mean they they earned it they played well through the sec through the uh through the last like five what did we say last six series of of the season uh got a win in the sec tournament uh so they they uh they really earned it they really fought their way back into it when we had a lot of questions about whether this team would even make the tournament at one point um so here they are the sec this is the best conference they finished uh third in the west fifth in the fifth in the conference uh they earned it at this point in time and those that have their gripes you know this is this is just is what it is at this point yeah three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today next up ward damn steve retire ward damn steve is with us steve how are you doing good thank you for taking my phone call uh, good afternoon to you, Ryan and Brent and Tom and Cam. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Four of us. All right. Uh, before I do go any further, I want to just take a brief moment to express my uh, my deepest appreciation to all the families out there whose members gave and sacrificed their lives for the love of our country. Uh, today is Memorial Day. And in fact, I didn't know this, but it officially was not a federal holiday until 1971. Okay. Hmm. And the first actual celebration of Memorial Day um, was celebrated in 1868 uh, following the Civil War, and it was originally done to honor those um, soldiers who had died in the uh, um, Civil War. So uh, if you didn't know it then, you know it now. All right, guys, uh, about Mr. Janiah Broom. You know, I love him, uh, and I hope he decides to return. I don't understand the delay and the drama behind the delay. I met his supposedly a uh, Facebook page, and all I saw an hour ago was Janiah Broom, and it says Auburn Family with a heart next to it. And he says, uh, on May 27th, Memorial Day is going to be a good day. Um, well, wow, the drama, guys. I mean, people hype up their decisions all the time. I mean, that that is something that you see. Uh, but why? Why? Well, why is it necessary? He's having fun. Yeah, he's having he's a, a kid having fun with, fun with it. Definitely having a little bit of fun with it. It just is what it is. I get it. You know, you might be a little bit frustrated with having to wait. I think all of us are just kind of, you know, sitting on pins and needles waiting for him to make his decision because it is a big decision on how this is going to affect the basketball team uh, going into this season. But it is what it is. He'll, he'll make the decision, you know, even if he doesn't make it today, even though we're expecting him to make it today. I bet he makes it in the evening. Um, you know, it, it's fine. He'll, you know, he'll either he'll either stay, he'll go, and we'll move on from there. Uh, I, you know, I think we all hope that he does stay. Um, but you know, it's just it's just building up, building up uh, um, 
suspense. That's just really what it is. It's no big deal. Yeah, well, but I mean, I, I, I don't get it because uh, he knows how important it is to all the fans as well. So, you know, tell them one way or the other, and then we'll move from there. Uh, that's just my take on it, you know. Just go ahead and let us know one way or the other. All right, uh, moving on, guys. Uh, I was pleasantly uh, surprised to see us go from a team that, uh, I'm, I, at least for me, I, I was sweating out, were, were we even going to make it uh, to the NCAA uh, tournament? And now we're a host team. Wow, what a uh, dramatic comeback. Uh, with that said, I've heard your comments about us uh, and uh, the region that we're in. And then I read apparently there were some uh, criticisms or Chris, okay, yes, uh, head scratching, I guess, on ESPN. They actually asked uh, um, Dr. Cohen, who is our now AD, since he's the chairman of the uh, tournament committee, about Campbell, uh, that they were not a host, even though they're rated a 15 RPI. And I read that apparently some of that decision had to do with uh, maybe they're not having played as, I guess, as powerful um, as conference teams and opponents as we did. What what was the explanation, as you understand, as why Campbell was left out and we were a host instead of them? Uh, there, uh, a couple of things there. RPI was a lot higher uh, than Auburn's, uh, and then their strength of schedule was way weaker than Auburn. The other thing to take into effect is, or into account was they were not going to be able to host it on their campus. They were trying to get it uh, into a uh, stadium there, a minor league stadium somewhere there in uh, in North Carolina, but they wouldn't even have been able to host it on their own campus because their stadium doesn't meet the size requirements for, for hosting. So they had a lot of hurdles that they had to overcome, and and, and that's just kind of what it was. So you, you mix in the stadium, you mix in their high RPI, and you mix in their strength of schedule, and they just didn't compare to Auburn. Well, I mean, there are – I. You, their RPI was higher than Auburn. It was better than Auburn's. Their RPI was fifteen. Auburn's, I think, was nineteen. I thought. I thought. Right. That, I thought it was. High, I thought it was higher no. than Auburn's. No. Well, it's strength of schedule. Strength of schedule. Strength of schedule. People definitely. are even having these questions because of the RPI. That that's what that's what Steve's right. point is. Is is that uh, you know they had a top sixteen RPI. But again, as we've talked about uh, with softball throughout the process and with baseball's process, is that. It's not just RPI. That is one of the things that you put into the the equation and put into consideration. But it is not the end-all, be-all. And so that's when those other factors, as Tom mentioned, do play a role that despite Campbell having a little better RPI, everything else kind of goes in Auburn's camp and in in some of these other teams. I mean, Auburn was not 16. So I I don't know why Auburn is just the only one to to compare. I guess it's because they're the only team that did not have an RPI in the top 16 to host, but well, again, their seeding wise, they were not the last team to be a host. So uh, again, it, it has to do with the schedule, with the strength of it. I mean, again, and it's not just non-conference play. I mean, when you play 30 games in a conference, your conference strength of schedule is going to matter there. Uh, and uh, that that's why Auburn and a couple other teams got in over them. All right, guys, um, I know who will be playing and uh, if we win, uh, it says here, I'm a little confused, so help me out here. Educate me. It says here uh, from Jason Caldwell, the Tigers are matched up with the number four seed Clemson. How is that? Yeah, that's that's what would happen if uh, you get to the Super Regional, um, that into the, the next next round of it. Clemson's the four, Auburn's the 13. So if the highest seeds win, then that's the Super Regional matchup. Okay. All right. Uh, then um, moving on, guys. Uh, 
I'm looking at the uh, NCAA Division One uh, Golf uh, Championship Tournament, and <clears throat> of course we made it to the uh, 15 cutoff, and then today is going to be the 18 cutoff. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so I'm looking at the current, and I don't play golf, so help me understand here. We're apparently in the 11th place right now, and we're, what, three, I guess, uh, positions away from being able to make it. Uh, Vanderbilt, Florida State right now says they're tied for eighth place. They're minus two, and we are, let me just change it. Now, Florida State's number eight. Number nine is Stanford, 10th, and Auburn and Vanderbilt tied for 10th place. Right. So we've moved up. Uh, and we're, it says, um, uh, through 10th through 12th. So that means uh, some of our players are playing the 10th hole and the others are playing the 12th hole. Is that right? Yeah, they, they've completed anywhere between 10 and 12 holes. Yeah. Okay. And we're minus three. Vanderbilt's uh, even, they say. Uh, they're 7 through 9, and Stanford's plus 2, 8 through 10. So uh, what's yeah. it going to take, guys? Do you have any guess? For us to make the 18 cutoff, we're, what, two spots away? Yeah, so you're reading their scores for today, but it's their scores right. throughout the whole tournament that matter. So what what are they? Uh, they'd be over part. They're plus something. I think they were plus 14 at one point today. Those are the scores that are, are being used here to advance into the top eight. So it's not today's uh, what we're doing that matters? I mean, today matters because you got to score better. It's, right. it's a part of the rounds. But, no, it's not just today. It's the totality of the tournament. Okay, so we're tied with Vanderbilt at plus 13. Okay, so that's that's how they've tied for 10th. And then where is 8th place? And 8th place is Florida State. They're plus 11. And Stanford's in 9th place. They're plus 12. So these are extremely uh, yeah, close, close. Uh, positions. Yeah, so it is going to come down the wire then. They're just two shots back of eighth. And, uh, so really anything could happen. But Auburn has been trailing throughout this, so they still will have to play just a little bit better or have those other teams fall back just a little more. Okay. Uh, with that said, guys, uh, thank you for your time. I hope that all of you had a safe and relaxing uh, time off. And uh, Brent? Yes, sir. I know you celebrated your uh, 25th uh, birthday, and I was really pleased to see that uh, you uh, were not locked up or anything, so that's good. Not this weekend, no. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you did you did all the right things, or at least we uh, don't know if you did any wrong things. We'll put it that way. Fair yeah. enough. All right, guys, thank you for your time. I know my time is way up. I look forward to listening to Mr. Kevin Ives. Oh, and the NBA thing, you know about uh, the record, right, that they're going for? Yep, it's never happened in 150 tries. To go from never in NBA history right. has a team ever lost the first three games going yeah. win. What do you think, guys, of the chances Celtics do it? Oh, I think the chances I, are pretty good. I, at home, pretty at home, good. I, at home, and with their momentum, I think they do. I'm it. Still rocking with the Heat. Can't okay. ride or dine with the Heat, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Boston, Boston is five and zero this oh, postseason when facing elimination. It's absolutely going to be tough. All right, let's see what happens. All right, guys, have a safe afternoon and evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle. Where you'll see, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Only two or three minutes left in the hour. Then Kevin Ives will join us to talk some Auburn baseball. Yeah, uh, Steve mentioned at the end, get a quick word in on it. Uh, that game six ending was uh, special. I like Cam. I, I grew up uh, a Lakers fan. I can't stand the Boston Celtics. I love them uh, in the NBA world. Um, but what they've done has been super impressive in the last three games oh when um, 
they came from a place that they looked like they were in the process of quitting, just quitting on the on the series, quitting on the season in Game Three, to now being favored to win this thing. They're the first. I think they're the fourth team to make Game Seven when at, when being down 0-3. But the difference yep. in the prior three, which all lost, is Game Seven was on the road yeah, for them. They're they the first lower. team to get yep. the home game out of Game Seven, and. I just think that um, once Boston has figured out this well-coached, well-disciplined unit, Miami does not – that the talent gap then matters because I could get – I don't have time to deep dive in two minutes, but I could get into how the zone has been affected for right. Miami and right. how, uh, how Boston has had trouble – uh, in certain areas of their offense, in late in games, close games, they really get slow and clunky. But the reality is, is that they have more talent than Miami. They were the better team all season long. My, Boston has had focus issues. They've had discipline True. issues. Absolutely. Now that those are, uh, have been eliminated from the equation, when Boston is focused, when they give a damn, when they're playing the way they're capable of. I think they are the second or third best team in this league. Yeah. And, and so now that they are achieving that standard for themselves, and I hate to make it nothing about Miami because, again, the media swarmed Boston and L.A. even in the middle of losing their series. Uh, but I think this is about Boston because they are the better team. Simply. And, and they were in the finals last year, and now they're on their home court, which, to be fair, they can lose in their home court. They did. Ask them last right. year how yeah. the finals went when they exactly. had game four up 2-1 and game six to try and extend the series. They lost both times. Again, Steph Curry is Steph Curry, but they lost on their home court. They also lost in their home court the first two games of yep. this series. So yep. it's not impossible, no. but the mountain of momentum for Boston – Given with the talent they have, it's hard. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. It's very hard. Boston, the Boston has so much talent, and you know we talked about this, Ryan. That we we you know I kind of said that it wasn't really necessarily that. It just seems like Boston just kind of just got right in themselves. They realized, hey, we're the better team here. We're the most talented team here. But I will say, when it comes to Miami. It hasn't even, in my opinion, it really hasn't been that talent gap. It's been the the two stars for Miami. It's been Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler in these last two or three games not playing up to to the potential of what they're supposed to be. The uh, if you if you think about uh, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, uh, Caleb Martin, I kind of call them like the undrafteds. Um, those three guys, right? I, I kind of those three guys have played very well. Caleb Martin has been playing. For phenomenal Duncan Robinson has been hitting his shots I know he didn't hit those two threes probably the two easiest looks that he was going to get in game six but he's been playing very very well uh and and then Gabe Vincent is a catalyst in terms of being able to be a facilitator and um really run things so I think it just falls down to Bam Adebayo and and Jimmy Butler playing to their potential if they if they have better games in game six they win they win like so it, it just it, I think that's really what it comes down to those guys because everybody else has been playing above what they needed to do. It comes down to the two stars if you're Miami uh, in getting their efficiency up and and uh, getting the job done. Yeah, it should be a good one tonight, Game Seven. Also, could talk about the hockey series oh that we had gosh. time too because Vegas is trying not to blow 
a 3-0 lead. Low-key, I mean, a lot of people are talking about it nationally. I know maybe not as much locally, but uh, those would be tri- two magnificent upsets in the manner of which these teams are trying to come back from. We're out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Kevin Ives will join us to talk Auburn Baseball Regional this weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two, starting right now on this Memorial Day Monday, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, and Brent Daughtry with you here, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. And we are now pleased to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and Chat it up with Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. Have a lot of fun things to talk about with Kevin on this Monday. Kevin, first and foremost, hope you're doing very well today, sir. Doing good. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. And, uh, again, exciting news for the Tigers over the course of the last 24 hours. Of course, last night uh, getting the notification they'd be the regional host or a regional host and then getting their – uh, uh, teams and, and game times today. Take me back though before uh, we talk about all this exciting stuff with the NCAA tournament and just recap uh, real quickly the SEC tournament in Hoover. Uh, just just what did you think of the Tigers play and uh, just just the SEC tournament as a whole as there were some, some surprises in the form of Texas A&M and just what did you make of everything going on last week? I think there were some surprises. There was a lot of stuff that actually went at Auburn's favor in the tournament. But going in the tournament Really, the biggest thing is you had to beat Missouri in that opening game to go to the double elimination portion and then just kind of see what happens. Unfortunately, Auburn was in the, the last game each day, um, and so that might have led to a little bit of a little bit of a hangover for that second elimination game. But beat Missouri, um, big offensive output, and then um, lost to Vanderbilt and then got knocked out by Alabama. Um, and that was kind of it. And so as you were watching the tournament, you really wanted some other things to happen. You really wanted – you needed South Carolina to not do as well as – you didn't want them to go on a run. You really wanted Tennessee to lose. That happened. Um, and then you kind of wanted Kentucky to kind of fade away. That didn't really happen um, as much as Auburn wanted it to. Um, but everything else kind of worked out in Auburn's favor. A&M went on a run, basically played their way as into a two-seed. They were probably already in the tournament. Uh, but played their way into a two-seed, and they were going to be sent out to Stanford. Um, and Carolina, I guess, did enough to end up getting a host. But what I saw from Auburn, I think it was a situation, Auburn has not really done historically well in the SEC tournament. It has really been a situation to where if, if they catch fire, they catch fire. If not, you're really just trying to win one, two games, um, and then kind of get ready for a regional. And that's really kind of what Auburn did 
You know, they were kind of had to shuffle a lot of pieces around on the mound. Um, Tommy Dale had to make basically a kind of a spot start, even though he was out the previous weekend. Because um, of sickness, he was basically thrown on his bullpen day and really got squeezed a really tight zone against Vanderbilt. And that kind of maybe led to a little bit of an early exit um, uh, for him. Um, I'm sorry, against Missouri. And so that, that kind of led to an early exit for him. But all in all, I mean, it's kind of what you wanted to see. You really like to see um, Bryson Ware. He you know, broke the single-season home run record, so Auburn made a little bit of history. But um, really it was just kind of win one game and then watch and see what happens. And thankfully – Everything else kind of took care of itself, and Auburn is going to be hosting a regional at Plainsman Park this weekend. Kevin, you just touched on it. Talk a little bit about that regional. We know that Southern Miss, the number two seed in this regional, it projects to be the biggest threat to Auburn, but talk about uh, the three other teams that are coming to Auburn. I mean, Southern Miss is really kind of going to, get it, going to get the headlines, and they're going to be the sexy kind of upset pick because this is a couple of things are going for Southern Miss. They're not unfamiliar with playing postseason baseball. They um, actually, you know, hosted a super regional last year and lost to lost the eventual national champion Ole Miss. Um, they're not uh, they're not unfamiliar with Auburn as a regional host side either. Um, it's a really veteran team. They had a really strong showing in the Sun Belt tournament, and it's their head coach's last year. I think his name's Scott Barry. It's his last year. Uh, this is kind of his kind of swan song. So there may be a little magic that he want to catch up with. Really, the interesting one in our regional is. Um, Stanford. I mean, Auburn knows Stanford. We play Stanford pretty much every year. Did have one of the games uh, rained out that last game when we were going to play up in Hoover. Um, but Stanford went, goes and wins three games in one day in the SoCon tournament to get the automatic bid. Um, and that was pretty, it's pretty much unheard of and beat a really good Walker team to do that. And then Penn won the Ivy League. Penn has basically been sitting around for a week and a half almost. Um, after they won their tournament. The Ivory League is kind of interesting how they set this up. They, they start their year a week later than everybody else, and they really finish their year a week before everybody else. So Penn is also another team to where I think last year they upset Texas A&M. Um, they're a team that you might think, oh, it's an Ivy League school. It, it should be a um, an easy game, but it's not. It's going to be a game where they're going to go all out, and there's always one of those kind of four-to-one upsets, and you don't want it to be on the plane. So with a regional like this, I mean, this is a generic question. I don't really think the opponents change this too uh, too much. I The pitching has been something. It's been a remarkable turnaround, and, and I know that maybe there's some uncertainty with Christian Herberholz's uh, availability. But, I, I mean, in an ideal world, obviously, you never lose a game. You go right through. You play the minimum, and, and, and that will create some advantage pitching staff-wise. But – in a perfect world, what what is Auburn trying to do rotation wise? How who are they trying to avoid uh, having to throw on a Friday game or, or maybe even in, on Saturday if they can avoid it? Just just talk us through what would be a great scenario for Auburn's pitching staff. I think you really you treat it like a regular weekend series, and so you're probably going to see Allsup on Friday against Penn, and then Vale against um, if Auburn whoever Auburn's opponent is going to be on Saturday. You hope it's Auburn in the winner's bracket, um, and so that would force basically a, um, a buy into the championship game um, because when you go to that regional play, those first two games are so important to win both of those games. It's not unheard of for a team to you know, lose their first game and win a regional or to lose that second game and then you know, come back and re- win a regional, but it's kind of difficult. And I think for Auburn, the best thing is just to sort of treat it like a regular weekend 
um, and how Auburn has been playing on the weekend. You know, they've, they've swept their last two actual weekends when they play, so you kind of want to hopefully keep some of that mojo going. But, I mean, I really think you go also on Friday, and then you go Vail after that. And then after that, I think you've got enough guys who have kind of stepped up um, for that last game. I've never been a fan of, like, you hold a guy for a game that may be your championship game. You've got to focus on just winning the immediate game that you're playing and not really hold somebody out. Now, that may be different for a school like LSU that has, like, Paul Skeens and kind of nobody else, so you really want to do everything you can to force that um, winner-take-all game or that, um, you know, force Skeens to go into that Saturday game or that championship game. Auburn's not in that case. I think for Auburn, it's going to be they're going to pitch anybody that they can because their focus is just going to be winning. It's not going to be winning later. It's going to be winning now. So uh, kind of looking uh, around the country at some of these others, obviously uh, Auburn is paired up with that Clemson regional. Uh, Clemson uh, scorching hot team right now. Uh, when you look at that, is there somebody in that regional that can knock Clemson off? Because obviously – that's something that uh, Auburn fans are going to look at. Yeah, you got to take care of business here, but if somebody knocks Clemson off and Auburn takes care of business, then Auburn gets to host a, a super. So who who in that yeah, Clemson so regional can knock them there off? Really, there really are two teams in that. I mean, you have a Charlotte team that was that is a really solid club, is a really scary offense in that regional, and then you've got Tennessee. Um, and so you've got two teams, one that is um, on a hot streak with Charlotte because you know, they won their Conference USA tournament, kind of upset the favorite Dallas Baptist in that. And then you have a Tennessee team that has a lot to prove that really did not live up to expectations. But they're going to have to, you know, get through a Clemson team that is probably the hottest team in the country when it comes to the amount of consecutive wins they have. I think they've, they've won 20 out of their last 21 games. Eric Backage, who's the former coach at um, Michigan last year, is their head coach now, and has really turned it around from, like, where they started. Um, and so you really, it, that, that is a, really any regional is enough, is, a, is, I think this year, more than others, there's not any regional where you think that it's going to be a cakewalk for everybody. I think that there are, um, for anybody, I think there are definitely regionals to where there are kind of landmines set up. I mean, you look at South Carolina, is going to have a Campbell team that feels like they should have been hosting over Auburn and probably over South Carolina, so they're going to be hungry. You've got LSU in their regional having to play a, Crosstown, not a crosstown, but a um, a longtime rival in Tulane, um, and then Oregon State, and then um, even Arkansas in their region is going to have to play a red hot TCU team, and is going to also have to deal with a, an Arizona team that just missed getting the auto bid from the Pac-12 and has a scary good offense. So I, I think it's you know if Auburn wants to look ahead to that South Carolina, the Clemson regional, they can. But it's really your best bet is really just focusing on the planes this weekend and um, getting wins and then seeing what happens after that. And Kevin, when you're looking at just the complete makeup of this field and of these regional hosts, it's intriguing to me and not shocking for those that follow college baseball, but still 12 of the 16 teams that are regional hosts coming from the SEC and from the ACC, if you want to throw in by geography, Coastal Carolina and a smaller conference, that's 13 from just this part of the country i know that there's still some high school talent in other places but just talk about the dominance of this part of the country in college baseball and why some historically great programs in the pac-12 are just not able to to make up any ground right now so they i think there's a couple of different things that are factoring into that i think that number one and they talked about on the selection show this morning the rpi 
has some kinks to it, and the RPI is a big measurement. It's not the only measurement, but it is a big measurement in how hosts are selected. And you also have to understand that baseball and college baseball is a is a hot-weather sport. And so when the season starts in February, you've got a lot of teams that are going to be spending their first you know, half of the season on the road. And that allows more talent, that allows these, that allows teams in the Carolinas, um, in the Southeast, um, to really kind of flourish a little bit. And there's also, too, there's just the, the, there is more of a passion here for it. And I think part of that baseball wise is because think about it this way. If you, if, if you're in the Southeast and you are a baseball fan, then what other, what professional team are you following? You're probably, probably following the Braves and then, if you live in Louisiana, maybe the Astros, um, and then in the in Florida, then you're probably splitting between the Rays and the um, you know the Rays and and, um, and the Marlins. But really, professionally, there aren't many professional teams down here, baseball wise. And so, college baseball kind of becomes in um, the Carolinas and and in the, the Southeast and the Deep South. That becomes your professional baseball, and there's that the, that fan base and that passion that's there. So I think that I thought there was going to be one more host out west. I thought that maybe they would have just given one to, um, you know, maybe a school like Washington. But I think the RPI just didn't help out. And I think part of it, really the biggest thing that's dragging down the west is that the conferences out west, you got the Big West, West Coast, Pac-12, and, a, and maybe like half the whack. Of those conferences, the Big West and um, – and the West Coast Conference are really having down years, and they've been having down years for a while. And that leaves the Pac-12 to kind of really, you know, raise the banner for those West Coast schools. And then you counter that with what's happening in the Southeast. I mean, we know that the SEC is strong in college baseball. We know that the ACC is strong in college baseball. But you also have a school like the Sun Belt, which just added Southern, Southern Miss this year, um, you know, has Coastal Carolina, who's hosting a regional, has four teams, I think, that are, that are making regionals because it's Coastal, Louisiana, Southern Miss, and Troy, um, they're a really good baseball conference. Um, and so you even the kind of mid-level baseball is nationally known um, in the Southeast. And it's, it's just part of the sport. It's something to where, you know, it just is what it is. I can't change the weather. I can't change where people live. Um, and I can't change what people find their interest in. So um, right now, Auburn can kind of take advantage of it because we play in the SEC, and so our RPI is going to, have a a kind of a generic bump to start off with um but you know you still that's not to say that a school can't do something can't kind of make a difference can't win games i mean you looked uh you know a couple years ago michigan played for the national title um and there are times when those teams can get hot it really depends on these schools what they want to invest into the sport and what they can invest in the sport um and i think you know the more schools that take college baseball seriously they don't use it as kind of a a half counter sport and they actually invest into the program and into the players they're going to reap the rewards and that's why you also have schools like um you know in the midwest like indiana has really taken steps forward to improve their facilities that's why missouri even though they're in the sec have kind of lagged behind the facilities and just fired their head coach so they know to keep up with the arms race that they're going to have to upgrade everything that they have and make a significant investment, or they're just going to get lapped. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's really just part of the game at this point. 
He's Kevin Ives at AUPPL joining us today on Sports Call. Kevin, last question for you. I go to your Twitter page again, at AUPPL, and there's this beautiful visual guide to the call to the 2023 <laughs> tournament. What what does it take to do something like that? I, I I want to promote this because it's just it's aesthetically pleasing. It looks like a lot of work was put in. Just t- talk to me a little bit about this. So it's kind of like a like a hobby. Um, you know, I, I will make those graphics for the baseball jerseys and stuff. And I've been doing that graphic for years. And really, it's just a Photoshop template that I've made and kind of worked through. And basically, all that I was doing the last night was just sort of setting up the regional sites that they you know thankfully we had them announced beforehand. Um, but it's really just um, kind of plugging and playing. I already had kind of the graphics, the jerseys made because I've been doing them throughout the year. Um, and so it probably takes about an hour, two hours. I, I got it finished probably about 40 minutes after the selection show got, got done. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the, the neater things to me. It's just sort of stuff that I've been doing for years. It's kind of just a hobby. It's making those graphics and when I, when I do kind of the TV schedules and stuff, using them and stuff like that. So, um, it's kind of my last big thing when it comes to the graphic. I haven't had a lot of time to do it, uh, to do them, the schedules throughout the year, just because I've had work and have other stuff going on. Um, and a little bit superstition because I stopped doing them for a bit because I stopped doing them and Auburn started winning. Um, and so I was like, well, I need to quit doing these. <laughs> um, but the, the visual guide, I always want to make sure I, I get that one out. A lot of people seem to enjoy it. And, um, and I have fun doing it because I just, I just like looking at them. I like the, the look of college baseball, it's all, it's very unique. You have, you know, a bunch of uniform manufacturers. You have a bunch of different templates. You know, some schools have baseball specific logos and baseball specific caps and stuff that they use. So it, it's just, I'm a college baseball nerd and that just kind of plays into it. Well, it looks great, Kevin. And again, we encourage everyone to go to your, your Twitter page at AUPPL to go check that out because it, uh, it looks great. And, uh, we can tell you put some, put some time into it. And as you just said, it is something that you enjoy doing. But, uh, Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. And, uh, hopefully we'll be talking next week about, a, about some regional success. Yes, sir. I hope so. Talk to y'all later. That is Kevin Ives joining us today on Sports Call at AUPPL on Twitter. Appreciate the time with Kevin. As always, he joins us each and every Monday throughout the Auburn Baseball Series and certainly appreciative of his time. We're going to go to our next commercial break. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here today. Full show. Don't know the last time we've had all four. I shouldn't say all four. It's not everybody uh, that exists with us, but all all four mics in the studio uh, occupied. 
and uh, just having a little fun here on this Memorial Day. Appreciate Kevin Ives for talking to us about some Auburn baseball. Another exciting year for Auburn baseball. Don't encourage the first 30 games uh, every year, but it certainly made the last 25 or so that much more exciting right. uh, to see how much better this team got and and uh, now hosting a regional, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is the first time in Auburn baseball history that they are hosting a regional in back-to-back years. It's it's interesting because we have certain moments in time where the baseball program is maybe not operating uh, as well as we expect it could or, or that sort of thing, but Butch Thompson does not cease to deliver first in, in great success at the end of the day, at the end of these seasons uh, with Auburn baseball. Of course, this is uh, on the you know not on the heels, but just prior to um, new f- upgrades for the, the baseball facility. When there's going to be seating on that monster very soon, there's going to be uh, new seating areas kind of on the right field side of the park. Um, th- it's great to continue the momentum uh, with the baseball program. Great to continue that because the last thing you want to do is take steps back prior to the new shiny toys you know like you you want to break in new things in style and although it's not a complete new ballpark uh it will be the most exciting practical upgrades from a fan perspective in a long time they've had upgrades to their baseball hitting facility and 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 they're just in general performance uh part of the park but not to the fan side of things and again trying to increase this fan uh, engagement. And obviously, uh, I don't know, you guys were not here when Brooks was trying to do this. Brooks was able to, to purchase some some regional tickets, as he did last year. But it took like an hour, and there <laughs> were not very many uh, seats available. They kept would like – they'd pop up um, every so often in one section. Then he'd go to click on them. They were already taken – uh, and the interest is great to see for this program, and it is still a growing, um, thriving program at this point. Um, and I don't know; it's just it's good to see that because it would be so easy to have had a bad year, and then you get a little down about the the state of the team, say the roster, and then you get the new facilities, and that would make it exciting, or the, the you know the new seating and all that that make it exciting. But when you don't have the team to pair it with. It, it takes some of the luster off of it. But, uh, again, Auburn baseball continues to be on an upward trajectory. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I mean, it was a baseball program uh, under Hal Baird that was doing great things. And, and you you had the likes of a Frank Thomas and you had the likes of a, of a Bo Jackson and you had, you know, Tim Hudson. These guys that came through under Hal Baird and you saw Plainsman Park get built, I believe that was in 95 or 96, that uh, they built Plainsman Park as we know it now, you know, take the – the old metal bleachers out and actually make a beautiful ballpark out of it. All that was under Hal Baird. He retired. You had a couple of decent years right after that, but then things kind of went away and uh, Auburn was kind of running through some coaches there and they, they couldn't quite figure out, you know, how to get that program back into an upward trajectory. And now Butch Thompson has come in and, and it has been upward ever since then. And now you're going to see the the re, the building of of more expansions onto that to that facility. There has there have been expansions already under Thompson, and now you're going to see even more going on. And so 
with that is going to come the players and, and and the excitement around the program and it's gonna keep an upward trajectory and and, and that's a good thing because uh, yeah while while we are still in a football world in the southeast and men's basketball because of what Bruce Pearl has done I mean it's there but I mean that the Auburn fans love their baseball and I mean it is a it is a tradition uh, rich program uh, like I mentioned with some of the players. I mean, goodness sakes, we have the 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 only current MLB Hall of Famer was from Auburn, and and so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a very proud program, and and I I love the job that Butch Thompson has done, and goodness gracious, this year, you know, we talked about this team after the Alabama series that they lost, and we were sitting here looking at the numbers and how they had. I mean, it, they were just down in the dumps, and I mean, we were sitting here talking about there's no pitching, there's no hitting. And this is just going to be one of those years. You're just going to have to kind of chalk it up as a as a bad year because that's just what it was. They they just turned it around. Butch Thompson got that group together and they started playing it at, at an elite level. And they kept that going with that series win over South Carolina and then a series win over LSU. And they just kept finishing things off. And uh, you know that's just a, such a credit to Butch Thompson for for what he did this year, but also what he has done with that program that was really kind of scuffing along when you had you know Sonny Galloway I mean I think that was the I think the Sonny Galloway time uh, as Auburn head coach was kind of maybe the the equivalent of the Brian Harson era it was just a a name that came in that you know just could not get it done it was just a black cloud over the program and, and ever since Galloway was let go and Thompson came in it has been much more of an upper trajectory than than in those years before he got here. I think there's an argument to be made that Butch Thompson could be the best coach on Auburn's campus right now. I think what they've done at Auburn, the argument is between him and Bruce Pearl uh, at the moment. And I think it's very fair to say that Auburn wants to reward him for that. And that's what these expansions coming to Plainsman Park are. We hear all the time about the environment that is Jordan-Hare Stadium. Neville Arena has become recognized as one of the best environments in college basketball. Auburn wants to do the same thing in baseball. Uh, You've got the fan base for it. You can come in and make this atmosphere at Auburn the three major sports uh, and have just an incredible atmosphere. If you you build it, they will come, right? Especially at Auburn when you're really good. Uh, People will show up and they will show out and – uh, I remember when softball was on its run. I went to a, a regional game at, at um, J.B. Moore Field, and that was an incredible atmosphere. If you're good consistently um, and you expand those those arenas, uh, people will fill those seats, and uh, it becomes a very hard place to play. And Auburn wants to turn baseball into that as well. The the one thing uh, you know, you talked about Butch Thompson potentially being you know arguably the best coach on campus right now. Here's the argument for that. He's doing more with less because yeah, absolutely. Know, with, with with basketball, uh, Bruce Pearl can get just about whoever he wants. Uh, I mean, there there's been some struggles here and there, but I mean, he has had a pipeline and he's been getting in the elite athletes. Football, obviously, you know, you have everything going for you with the football program. With baseball, you don't have the NIL type stuff that an LSU does with the bat company there in Baton Rouge, where they've just been bringing in 
uh, superstars from around the country transferring into LSU and offering enough money to keep guys there and keep them from going pro. Auburn doesn't have that. They, they, they've got some NIL stuff going on, some collective stuff going on, but they don't have what LSU has. There's also the scholarship stuff that, that has always been talked about with the, the limitations on scholarship availability and full scholarship availability and things like that. So for, the, for Butch Thompson to be able to take that program – that is really kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to comparing with what other programs are able to give their student athletes, man, that's an incredible job to be able to keep these kids on campus, keep them from jumping pro. Uh, you still bring in some of the elite athletes. You bring in an Ike Irish who, you know, I, Ike Irish probably could have just stayed away from college and done the pro deal you've had numerous other guys that have decided to come to auburn and, and pass up pro deals um out of high school so uh man i mean it's such a credit to butch thompson what he's been able to do with that program with with the limitations that he has to deal with yeah and i, I think again you know from a facility and care standpoint you know auburn cares uh, a lot more than the average school in the NCAA in baseball. However, the SEC is full of those. I mean, even teams that are not uh, traditionally successful in football and basketball care a lot about baseball. I mean, Vanderbilt's the perfect example of that. They have not given a, a hill of beans about football <laughs> compared to these other schools. They, they've tried in basketball. They've had moments of being decent but still below average for an SEC school. But in baseball, they've been awesome with Tim Corbin for a while now. Uh, and they have cared immensely. They've got their old little brand of Vandy boys, and oh, yeah. they've, they've put a lot of successful baseball players now into the major leagues as time has gone on. Has gone on. Uh, Vanderbilt cares a lot. Arkansas is another program where, okay, for the SEC – Below average success rate in football. I'd say above average for basketball. They have been one of the better basketball programs, even dating back to Nolan Richardson, but then also what Musselman's done the last five to six years. So, sure, they have a place in basketball. But in baseball, the care is immense. I mean, yeah. the, the, the atmosphere they provide for baseball is incredible. And so Auburn is one of, in baseball, at least from a um, – energy standpoint or facility standpoint would be in the bottom half for the SEC, yet they still are, I don't know if we put a, a pure number on it, but top 20, top 25 here for, for what they're doing in baseball year in, year out. Now multiple calls, World Series, maybe even run a, a spot or two higher than top 20. You know, I mean, it's the, the desire is there, but you're fighting with a bunch of other teams, uh, to your point, that have the same or better resources for this particular sport. Resources do vary depending on the sport that you're referring to. So even though Auburn has top half resources for football uh, in this conference, and they and they've certainly what Bruce Pearl has done now now currently have top half resources for basketball. Um, that does not necessarily mean that's the same way with baseball, although they are making efforts. Sure. Um, so. That is a good, compelling argument. Uh, the bottom line is that both Butch Thompson and Bruce Pearl have done wonderful jobs uh, with these programs, and Butch's job has been very difficult, uh, but he has succeeded with it. Again, with the resume he's built in the past, and now another first, the first time, even despite the Hal Baird years and all that, the first time this team is hosting regional uh, in back-to-back -back years. We need to take our next timeout. When we come back, still awaiting a Janai Broom decision. 
That could come during the show. It might happen afterwards. We'll talk a little bit about the implications a little bit later. And then also, spring meetings. They get going tomorrow in Destin, Florida. You might be hearing about the rumblings that the eight-team model is gaining steam over the nine-team schedule model. So we'll talk about that in spring meetings. Coming up, you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Memorial Day Monday. Hope everyone is having a, a great day and a great celebration of uh, remembering those that we've lost on this day. Again, a, a reminder that freedom is not free, uh, and we certainly thank all those that served and especially all those that have lost loved ones fighting for this country on this Memorial Shout Day Monday. Shout out to my Monday. dad. Dad part of the military? He was, yes. Um, so I think a very long time. I think we all had someone serve, but again, on this day in particular, those that uh, that we've lost, we, we certainly remember those that, that we've lost and their families. Uh, as we continue on with this show today, uh, again, teased it before break, throughout this week, we expect to have some, some news from the Southeastern Conference. We think, we hope that we will have a scheduling model. Now, if you are reading on the current events, and Ross Dellinger is a, a great person to follow on this, in my opinion, out of Sports Illustrated. Wrote an article this morning, which is a double whammy. I'm a nine-team schedule proponent, and I didn't know there was another way for me to be upset, but here's another way. Uh, so he wrote an article this morning about what to expect from the SEC spring meetings. His tweet was, For a year, a question has lingered in the SEC scheduling debate. Will ESPN give more money? Unlikely right now. Without financial incentive, more than half the league supports eight games in 2024 as part of, here's the double whammy, a one-year temporary model that is under consideration. I might give you eight games, and it's not final. (laughs) See, here's what that sets up. And they could get around this, depending on what they do in 2025. But you know what happened the last time we had to do something that was temporary, that was one year? We had vast scheduling differences, which many people griped over because of the COVID year. Yeah, COVID. You added the conference game. Uh, Y'all remember 2020. Yeah, you you remember that (laughs) horrible year uh, in society as a whole. For everybody, yeah. And so it it created some scheduling uh, issues that not a lot of programs were fans of. Uh, Arkansas died a painful death in, in that scheduling uh, when they had to add Georgia on top of obviously the West. And look, not every single team is going to be able to have a, a, a vastly similar strength of, of opponent. Okay, we get that. Uh, there are still 
more there are still teams in the SEC that are clearly above others. But when you set up something that's only going to last one year and be temporary and then go to something more permanent, that can create uh, other issues. So let's flesh this out again. We, we talked about some hypotheticals of eight versus nine and the common opponents. We looked at it from who they'd play. But let's look at the issues at heart as to why this could be the eight-game model versus the nine-game model. Um, first, there is the issue of money, which obviously dictates a lot of what sports do and operate under. And if Ross Dellinger's reporting is sound, if that does not happen, that ESPN gives more money in the TV deal with the SEC for a ninth conference game, that decentivizes obviously the financial aspect. And you're also looking just at participation, at the participation aspect and, and the, some of the things about some teams having very little access or, or now a more difficult time making a bowl game with that additional ninth game. You have obviously just the I, – I don't subscribe to this as much, but some teams would worry about, okay, we have another automatically tough game. Does that hurt our playoff chances? I would tell you, well, no, not compared to the four-team model because you got 12 now. And I think there's going to be some 9-3 and three SEC teams that end up making it from, from year to year. Now, maybe not a guarantee – but I think it's not impossible to go nine and three in the SEC and 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 make the playoff. Um, you have some teams uh, that would be unhappy with how their three teams are are slated, which is something that essentially, according to reports, is what Nick Saban is uh, upset about with the three that Alabama would have. Again, that's going to fall on a lot of deaf ears around here. Uh, yeah. But uh, he's apparently changed his opinion. On he's been a nine-team guy forever, but he's taken a look at the three that Alabama would have yearly. Said, you know what? How about no? <laughs> Is what he's thought about. Um, and again, another issue I want to bring up here too is a realistic issue that they do have to sort through. And people say just throw money at it, go away, and to some degree it can. But there are a lot of non-conference games scheduled out. For the next several years. In fact, most teams in the league would have to cancel a game for multiple years, not just one year, multiple years would have to cancel a non-conference game just to fit in down to three, let alone the teams that then have to think about, okay, we've gone to a ninth game, but we've already scheduled one or two Power 5 opponents and now have a 10 or 11 Power 5 conference uh, season. Now, to us as fans, we we probably all love it. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I love it because it's just like every game you have matters. This is awesome. You know, I, I, I hate it for the small schools. I want one or two of these so that schools can still get a payday or two. But I love it. That's so much competition. It's great. But from the team aspect, they say, well, how many losses are we going to add up here? Yeah. <laughs> how many great games do we have to play to prove we have a tough schedule? We've already signed these deals. You're going to make us add another conference game? Some of these teams that have ACC rivals but still scheduled somebody else. Yeah, I know. Georgia Tech sucks, but what if they didn't one day? You know, if you're Georgia. It, Clemson, South Carolina. South Carolina's not had fun playing Clemson for like a decade until last year. They've had no fun at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, Florida, Florida State is a real rivalry with schools that are attempting to be competitive. I know Florida State has fallen some hard times, but for 30 years they were not falling yeah. on hard times. They're back now, though, kind of. So I, I present all these problems to you three. 
What do you care about? What do you not care about? Does it change your thinking on if it should be eight or nine teams at all? As an Auburn fan, I want to see Auburn play Alabama and Georgia every year. Absolutely. And I want to see the players that are on an Auburn team, if they stay for four years, play every other team in the SEC at least once. Also that. Um, But you can't just look at it from an Auburn perspective. You touched on uh, South Carolina and Clemson and Florida and Florida State, and to a lesser extent at this point, Georgia and Georgia Tech. I think Georgia could do away with the Georgia Tech rivalry, and nobody would really be upset about it. But, oh, sh- but I don't uh, know, man. Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech is it's serious. I, they hate each other. Look, I, <laughs> going, going to school in Georgia, I, I knew so many Georgia fans who said that they would rather keep the Auburn rivalry and the Florida rivalry than the Georgia Tech rivalry. I think that is the fan base of most of the Georgia fan base. I, I don't know that, but... They love the, 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 the mindset. The mindset. Di- downfall, though. They yeah, do. absolutely they do. I, and, and they contribute to it. They beat them by 30 yeah. every single year. Right. It doesn't matter anymore. That's a tune-up game. It's basically a paycheck game for them, but they don't have to pay for it. It's awesome for them. But I, I think you could very easily do away with that rivalry and it wouldn't affect anything. But it, to the point of you have other SEC schools that have out-of-conference rivalries. I don't want to see those done away with. Because those do matter. Uh, South Carolina and Clemson matters. Florida, Florida State matters. I'm trying to think of others. Does North Carolina play somebody? Not every year, but I know they. Well, they got uh, South Carolina this year, but yeah. that's not a set. K- yeah. Kentucky and Louisville. Yeah, usually that's, have a. That's a big um, one, especially in basketball. Yeah. And I know we're not talking about basketball right. here, but they do play each other in football. Those schools care about yeah, each other. Yeah, those right. those those matter. So I don't want to see those done right. away with, regardless well, of whatever the schedule bring, is. When you're bringing in the new teams, I mean, you talk, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, because that that will yeah, be more, that too. yeah, that's more yeah. than even we mentioned, yeah, yeah. everything to do with Texas trying yeah. to reignite something. Texas A and M, obviously, Bedlam is it. If you read what the athletic directors say, that Bedlam's probably going away yeah. now that Oklahoma's going to be out of that league. Um, so there is new considerations and re not reimagined, but but rekindled rivalries from old Big Twelve stuff that are now. I mean, hey, SEC has already had two Big Twelve teams join ten years right. ago, and uh, even to some degree prior to that, when Arkansas was in the same league with them and, and all that. So now you bring in Texas and Oklahoma, and you just have new stuff that you've got to reignite. Yep. So again. Yeah, I just wonder. Uh, I definitely wonder how this is going to affect the um, <laughs> your face, Ryan. How this is going to affect some of these actual like when you mentioned the paycheck games, uh, uh, Brant. How how that's going to affect these these smaller schools that kind of need these paycheck games, even though they they go to these games to get beat up on. Uh, they they kind of use that money to really help themselves. So I wonder how that's going to affect it. Um, I mean, from an Auburn perspective, like you said, I, I agree. I, I want Auburn to face Georgia and Alabama every year uh, just because I, I mean, don't like either of those schools, but enjoy playing them because it is such a fierce rivalry. Both of those teams are really good. Hopefully Auburn will get back to where it's like a three-headed monster and they're just, I don't know. Uh, so that'll be just interesting to, wa- uh, to watch. Um so yeah, that's just kind of my base thoughts on it. I, I kind of want to think a little bit more on it, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm headed right now. I I definitely uh, am, con- am concerned about how it's going to affect the smaller teams in college football. And look again, there's going to be some people that could not care less. We understand yeah. that. You know, some people don't care about the little guys because they're they're little. Well, you should. Uh, but 
look, I'm of the opinion that we shouldn't just eliminate half half, half the of, sport. Yeah, just right, because yeah. they no, are just because they're not big. Right, it's um, not fair. It's wrong so, so, because then because then you take away from other students. Uh, I mean, you you take away from students getting opportunity to play which gives them opportunities to get education which affects i mean it's just a, a giant trickle down yeah, effect absolutely. i mean it's 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 it could be it, it can be catastrophic really yeah i mean again as someone that has one near and dear to my heart that almost saw football not even exist not even have to go down a level but football not <laughs> exist at uab the harm that would have done to that school uh was significant Seriously. And it does not matter that UAB gets twenty to twenty five thousand fans compared to these other schools. Like we, it is very well known Football. and studied that the just merely having these sports affects enrollment yes. at these schools. Let Absolutely. alone doing good in them yes. on the on the random occasion, even for these smaller schools. So uh, that's part of that equation. But look for the SEC's equation. They're looking at okay. It will cost money to cancel these games. So not only are they, they normally pay these teams a million dollars, eight hundred thousand, one point five million. It varies, but five hundred k to one point five million, somewhere in there. Um, well, it will cost money to to then rip up the contracts. It'll cost even more. It would cost money again. These schools are not bound and determined necessarily to keep these big non-con games. So if they if they rip up games with Notre Dame or if, if Southern Cal's on there somewhere, whatever, that would cost a lot of money to rip up the contract on that game. So that that is part of it. Um, there are pretty deep um, reasons here beyond just our kind of the surface oh, level that we did. Absolutely. Um, where again, it might not mesh with what fans want and what they want, and that's unfortunately not new in the business world uh, and in sports business there. But it's going to be really interesting to watch. I still want the nine-team model. Um, I still think that that is what's be- what keeping these rivalries is the most important thing. Yeah. And then we build from there on what we do with non-conference and what we do with with the smaller games and the big non-conference games. But I think you've got to start not from a how do we make this doable to rip up some of these contracts. I think you've got to start with what's best for the SEC, which is the nine-game model. And then get into all right. Do you mandate still one P five opponent, or do you do you let it be a free for all where you can either schedule big opponents or schedule three paycheck games, whatever they might be? But I think it starts at the nine game model is the most important thing. We're out of time for hour number two. Still waiting on the Janai Broom decision. Also talk some Atlanta Braves coming up in hour number three and best and worst of the weekend. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. 
Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Full studio today, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here today. If you missed any of the show so far, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Of course, our Sports Call podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. And we've been having problems with our Mixler, unfortunately, which is connected to the Sports Call tab of our Listen Live on the on the Tiger.fm website. But if you go to Tiger 95.9, that link, that stream is working. So if you continue to say, why is the... Uh, sports call tab not working it's because our mixler is being very very bad to us and we are working with tech support on a daily basis trying to figure this thing out Uh, but there are plenty of other ways to listen to our show as we start hour number three let's talk a little baseball we still do not have janai broom news uh, so we'll hit on that in just a moment but without the news we still don't have the live reaction element to it so let's talk some braves baseball and there are certain points in the season that feel more significant than others there are a lot of games in the course of the baseball season but tonight's one of those nights where it is must tune in it is must keep up with and that is the return of michael soroka to major league baseball to the atlanta braves he's been pitching in gwinnett throughout the year i have no expectation for him whatsoever i know it's the a's it feels like the right time to to bring him from triple a to triple a uh as i just just (laughs) shot the braves in the foot tonight but um oakland has been god awful we've talked about the relocation element of it but they are genuinely on pace to be the worst team in the history of major league baseball or one of them this feels like the right night to reintroduce michael soroka how what do you expect out of Stroke tonight? How excited are you guys to watch him pitch again for the Braves? I, I'm very excited, and uh, because the Braves need it, they they need him. Um, they need him back to being the Soroka that we all know that he can be uh, pre-injury. So, uh, and yeah, it's a it's a good time to bring him back against a very terrible A's team. But I'm I'm excited because. Uh, yeah, I mean the the offense is there. The Bra- the Braves have an incredible uh, they have an incredible offense. Um, they have an, an incredible pitching uh, staff that has just been hampered by injuries. And so to be able to get Soroka back, I, I think it's just big for this team uh, now and moving forward. Yeah, my expectation is going to be a little tempered tonight. I'm expecting somewhere around five innings and eighty pitches, somewhere on that. Hopefully, less than four runs. Um, and that should be all the Braves need to get a win. The A's are really, really bad, as we've discussed, and they have a kid making his Major League debut tonight, which uh, went really well for the Braves uh, last time they faced a, a Major League debut, or you may remember when the Braves faced the Phillies like last night um, <laughs> and scored seven runs in the first inning off a guy uh, was, making his Major League debut. It was beautiful to so, see. So, 
I, they're not going. I, I don't expect Soroka to tease us with a no hitter through six. You know, that's not what I'm looking for from him tonight. I, I want him to go out there. I want him to look in control of his stuff. I want him to look mostly back to normal uh, and just say this guy has a chance to get back to where he was. I I, d- I think the final part of rehab for any after any injury has to come back in live action. I don't expect you to be uh, after an injury to be as good as you were just before you got hurt. I, I don't think that's fair. So I, I want him to come back. I want him to get his feet wet. I want him to look decent. Uh, and, and hopefully later in the season we have the Mike Soroka that we're all used to. Cam, what do you think about Soroka tonight? I'm just excited to watch him pitch. I said this you know, at the beginning of the show. I just want him to do well. I just want him to do just relatively decent. Like, you know, I'm not expecting him to be perfect or amazing or anything like that, but I just want him to, to pitch a good game. Um, it, it is a good start for, for for him to be able to go up against the A's. I think that's a really great opportunity for him to pitch well. Um and, you know, hopefully he just gets some plenty of run support, you know, uh, that way he can kind of pitch at his own pace, not really have to worry about that kind of pressure that, hey, I'm trying to win a game here. Obviously, you're always trying to win a game, but um, you, you want him to be able to, you know, not feel too, too much pressure, have plenty of run support. Um, and that way, you know, he can he can just kind of focus on being able to get through his pitches. Uh, so I just want him to, to do well. That's really it. Um, and, and obviously, I want the Braves to continue to win. So that's how I feel about it. I hope uh, I, I really I want to be able to watch the game. It kind of is conflicting because the game seven is going to be on tonight at the same time. I only have one TV. So I, uh, I'm, and I'm and I don't get um, uh, Bally Sports. I kind of have to go on the app. So you kind of go app to app. So that's kind of frustrating. But it is what it is. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But I'm excited to see Michael pitch. Um, excited for him to get the opportunity to get back in the majors and hopefully he'll stick uh, because if he does that, that makes um, the Braves pitching rotation. You know, you, you get freed back, you get you get um, uh, right back at some point. Uh, and then you already have Morton and Strider. That's that's a, a real – and you have Bryce Elder. That's a real dangerous rotation of six at that point. And, and you're really – if you're the Braves, you're feeling real confident and comfortable uh, with those guys. And, and that's a potentially World Series winning um, – pitching staff that you got at that point so yeah uh i just just we'll see uh but it's just the first game and the first uh first opportunity for michael so um hope that he does well yeah this is a big opportunity for uh soroka obviously i mean this is what he's waited for for multiple years now i mean there's a long process that he's had to come back from and i i again i want to set the expectations just as minimally low as possible because even though Oakland is the worst team by far in Major League Baseball, even though they rank last in just about everything, the nerves for Soroka tonight are going to counteract some of that. That I, I, There's no telling. If you have a good pitcher against the Oakland A's, you expect six or seven one-run shutout innings. Uh, but I just hope Soroka can – uh, can just I, I think Brant set a, a reasonable expectation three three or four runs five innings ish you know even though three run again I get it three runs five innings is not going to be anywhere near the level of Soroka historically but you just can't expect that out of this guy I would say all year long I, I would be shocked if you got anything right. low threes ERA or better um, but it's just meaningful for him to get back. 
try and get a baseline for somewhere to improve upon uh, for for his future so that he can be a part of this rotation again. Uh, you know, that is something where um, if the Braves got the best version or a version that is solid of Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka again one day, again, he was the original great young pitcher of the group here. I mean, before Max Freed was was all the way to his peak, it was Soroka. Uh, and then on top of that, they've added Freed, they've added uh, Spencer Strider, and to some degree Kyle Wright too. So if they got Soroka, who is still a young guy, I think he's like 25, 26, like he's not um, near the end at all, uh, you know, I guess if he can, can survive these injuries and, and return to some sort of form – um, you know, yeah, is, he is. He's twenty five. Yeah, isn't yeah. that the best thing about this Braves it's rotation, though? Young. Other than Charlie Morton, oh none of these guys are older than 27, 28. I think Freed is about. I think Freed is twenty eight, but he's the oldest of them, other than yeah. Charlie Morton. So uh, if Morton retires, you've got the five set up right there with <sighs> Wright, Elder, Strider, Soroka, and Freed. Yeah, I've got Bryce that, Elder. He's been pitching. Yeah, great. so if you can keep all five of those guys healthy, that's your starting rotation for. X amount of years, oh, and you, you feel like if with the Braves lineup the way it is, your World Series window is absolutely massive, and, and you expect to compete for it every year. Uh, like I said, if you can just keep guys healthy. So this Braves team in Oakland, uh, there are very few series ever where I state, hey, you should sweep them. Right. This is probably the one. <laughs> if, there, uh, if there ever uh, was know, one, this is probably it. The Soroka element makes it a little furrier. I, I will say the Braves absolutely should win the next two. And, again, I just have no idea what to expect from Soroka tonight. It's possible because of nerves. He has zero control, walks six people. And, and, and the, the bad A's lineup doesn't even have to swing the bat. Um, but this is one of those where – it's the rare time you get a little little disappointed if you don't sweep. Oakland's exact record is what ten and 40, 44, four? I think. Jesus, I mean, yeah, it's bad. I didn't realize it was that bad. Oh, it's yeah, bad. they're they're. Oh yeah, no, uh, Tom, it's, it's ten and forty five. Yeah, forty five. They only Woo! have so. 10 and as Brant said, they're on twenty nine or thirty win pace. Yeah. I mean, seriously, here's what happens to them. This is what it is. They get swept. Then they win one out of three in the next series. Right, that's their record. That's one in five. I mean, that's basically their record. Right, they're going one in every uh, six that where they're winning. Mm. Um, it's unbelievably bad. Uh, so the, the one thing that I want to say, you were talking about Soroka with the nerves, and I, yeah, I mean maybe a little bit, but I, I mean. He's, he's been still, there before, but yeah, I mean, I he's like... still he's still a veteran pitcher. I, I think if anything, the nerves it, it the nerves would not be. Uh, the nerves would not be just like the 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 game itself. I think if there was any nerves, it would be the legs and 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 those Achilles. You know, once you get into those that high pressure situation, you know, are, are the are those repaired ligaments going to hold up? Well, I mean, you he's know? been pitching in AAA and, for a right, while, exactly, and so he he should have that kind of out of his system, and he knows what his legs feel like and all that. And I, I just, I mean, he's he's a veteran guy. Yeah, he's only 25, but he still has pitched at the highest level. Um, you know, I and it's not a high pressure. It's not I, a high I pressure though, series. I still, though, I disagree because I just don't know that there would be that much nerves with him. Maybe you, so. You've not pitched in Major League Baseball in three years. 
Right. You're not going to be anxious or nervous at all. I, I, I think anxious. I think anxious to get out there. That's and a part of going. nerves, though. Yeah, but but I'm the, I, I I see the nerves as like being like detriment. I I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking anxious. Like I'm ready to get out there and show that I'm I'm ready to do this. But, but someone not that's nervous. anxious can also it can be a positive or a negative. Right. But I I, I think with him I would see it more as a positive. I I don't think he's going to be nervous as far as like. The nerves get to him, and he can't control what he's doing. And he, he, all of a sudden, he just he, he's scatterbrained and just you know letting the emotions get the best of him. I don't think Soroka is going to be like that. I, I think there's going to be anxious, you know, ready to get this done. But I think he's I think he's going to get in there, and you're going to see, you know, a, a pretty good Mike, Michael Soroka. I, I don't I just don't think that he's going to be the type that's going to let nerves anxiety or whatever get him off of his game i feel it we'll see again i i think if there was ever a situation this would in the regular season this is the one yeah absolutely because you can't underestimate how much he's put into this for two plus years and this is the moment where it pays off right and i know me if i'm coming to something for the first time in multiple years that i used to do at a high level that is somewhere where I have worked and put yeah. this amount of work into, then I'm going to be thinking a little more than normal about it. Right. And I'm going to have um, a lot of uh, just overall anxiety about it because sure. well, and, and that's a long time in the making, right. and you just hope that it goes the way semi that you want it to. You just hope that you're – sure. You're looking like somewhat a shell of your former self. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, it, I think it's also that's the human, just the natural human aspect of it. But you also think about, you know, you would feel that way. But also a guy like Soroka, who has been training and training and training, this is old hat for him. And then I'm sure that's what the coaching staff is going to tell him. It's like, let's just go out there and throw your game, man. You know, you don't have to worry about anything. Just go out there and throw, you know. Play play pitch and catch with the uh, whoever's uh, is it Darno catching tonight, you know. Uh, play pitch and catch with him, you know, and and uh, maybe Sean Murphy catching. Oh, Murphy's catching tonight. Okay. Um, but you know, maybe some nerves with that first batter. But I I really just think that Soroka. I mean, he he's a pro. There's a reason that he has gotten to the level that he is at and has been able to stay there outside of the injuries is because he doesn't let those types of things affect him. He he he's, he trains, he knows what to do, he gets out there, and that's what the pros do is they don't let those uh, outside elements affect their game. There might be some butterflies and some anxiety there with that first batter, but I just I have a feeling that once he kind of gets going, it, then it just kind of becomes a game. It's, it's the game, you're on the mound, you're playing pitch and catch with Murphy, and and that's just what it is, and it just kind of becomes what it, it it becomes what it is, and there's not really the outside things affecting him. For for the for the normal average Joe, yeah, I mean we'd be a wreck. But I mean this this is a guy that is a pro that has been there and done that, and so I just I don't think that it's going to affect him that much. Michael Soroka makes his return to Major League Baseball tonight for the Atlanta Braves. 
when they face off with the Oakland Athletics. A late one, of course, and you can listen to it over on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. We're going to take another timeout. Still ahead, best and worst of the weekend. Also still waiting on the Janai Broom decision. We'll let you know if one decision is made before we get off the air. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brent Doctor, Tom Beatty, and Cam Berry with you here on this Monday afternoon. Starting to wind down the show a little bit, but a couple more segments left, including best and the worst of the weekend. We'll get to that in just a moment. Still awaiting a Janai Broom decision. We have talked about the implications of that uh, for a while, about what kind of center can you get? If Auburn has to pivot, oh geez, uh, I mean it is a, <clears throat> it is late in the process. I mean that is a part of it. The NBA process is after the college transfer portal process. There are guys in the portal that Auburn is is certainly interested in, although they are not of that position. We've talked about Torin Lawrence out of Vandy, Julian Phillips out of Tennessee. Phillips has some size for sure. Uh, Auburn would have, I think, unless they got a center that I was not previously aware was in the portal or, or someone that's uh, undervalued, uh, they might just have to go with some small lineups. That three-guard three I mean, lineup is going to be crazy. Yeah, they're, they're going to have <laughs> to go that way. And, look, they might be very damn good at it, but yeah. we just we just don't know uh, depth-wise and, and that sort of thing if there are bigs. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I could be. Fuzzy memory. Someone out of you three, please help me. Got you. Is Maybe. Oscar Cheeway back at Kentucky another year? Yes. Okay. So, see, that might not be a fun matchup. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. If you don't that have a big. Not at all I fun. thought he was out of eligibility, but I, I swore I some, saw someone say he put his name into the draft he as did. if he can come back. And right. then he did because yeah. he's not a pro. Right. Uh, he is an awesome college awesome basketball college. player, but not some guys – with certain skill sets, translate. don't translate. Yeah. yeah, and he's one of them. He, you can. It is not impossible to be the very best or one of the best three big men in the country in college and have just no pro prospects whatsoever. Like Zach Eady's kind of like that. He's a monster, but I don't think he's much of a pro. Yeah. He's probably a second-round guy when he eventually goes, but I just don't think <clears throat> he's that he's huge. a pro. I think that's yeah. why he's going to get drafted. He's huge. But he, can't, he doesn't move well. He does not move well. He's, he's he like will a, be picked on like Rudy Gobert. Uh, well, no, I'll be, 
probably yeah, worse. Yeah, but Rudy at least did things. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I'm just saying he did do things. Shibway has not taken his name out of the draft yet. He so has, he's got a he decision. He's not made a decision. So, yet. He, but he can. He, he could. Can. He could be back at Kentucky next year. The moral of these draft stories are that they got to come out. They've got to decide in the next 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, they, if they're, they're going to come out, they got to come out, or they're going to she stay would, in the draft. See if we can stay in the draft. Bro, tonight, <laughs> right. just, just come on back. Uh, so that is a very – I mean, there are very relevant names. Again, it, I, I think that to, despite – again, these are different things. Despite the fact that these guys are – bordering on maybe being drafted versus just two-way versus God only knows what they're going to be able to accomplish in the pros, they're still incredibly impactful college basketball players. And and sometimes that dynamic is a little lesser in football. I mean, it still can happen, though. You still have niche guys, maybe undersized guys, that are not going to work as much in pro but are so great in college. Uh, I'd argue that's what Sheetway is. Well, Honestly. exactly. That's oh, what I'm absolutely. saying. Yeah. You see this, I feel, more in basketball. It can still happen in football. But guys that are just not what the NBA is looking for. Mm-mm, not anymore. something that can be incredibly valuable, if not be the best player on teams. Um, I see yeah. this all the time, even at big programs like Carolina, where Duke's got the fun pros that are going to – Go make things happen right. in the NBA, yeah. And Carolina's got all these guys the that were four guys. and five stars, yeah. but they aren't playing in the pros. Uh-uh. They're not gonna. But yeah. in college, they're just Love as it. successful. Yeah, I, I I wonder. I I think Shibway could. There is a path for Shibway not to obviously be some superstar or anything in the NBA, but he hustles very hard. Um, and that is something that can make up for the lack of uh, the, for the talent gap that you know he might not have or the style of play that he might not have. You always need somebody that's going to rebound, and we all know Oscar Shibway is going to rebound. Um, you know he might not be the biggest guy like like we always say, but he will work underneath there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of betting on himself in that in that sense and saying. You know, instead of coming back to college, uh, I'm just going to go and try this pro route, whether it be G League or however that works out. You know, he'll probably, I mean, he'll probably be a really good Euro League player, honestly. You know, it just. There's other not, lines. Right? There's other yeah, ways. Well, other you know, there's, yeah, other work. Yeah, yeah right. But. There's other ways. Obviously, it might not be the NBA, but uh, maybe, you know, he's, he's thinking about just uh, putting his name in and, and, seeing how things play out he doesn't get drafted but he i i mean i could see him definitely playing in at least the g league um and then from there moving moving to whether it be overseas or however that goes so we'll see i i just have a hard time seeing oscar shibway ever making it to the nba not and not to say that he won't get a shot in the g league but uh, yeah no i I, I feel you his entire skill set is that of a center that's all he's that's all he is able to do or at least that's all he's shown he is able to do at kentucky and yes, he hustles. Yes, he's a physical freak, but he's six foot eight. You cannot play center in the NBA as, oh, no. at six foot eight. And, and Not so unless just, you have a very unique skill set, which he right. has a normal skill yeah, set. Yeah, he, he is a very, yeah. like, just, he's going to go down low. He's going to rebound. He's going to play good interior defense. But at, in the NBA, six eight doing that's going to get you killed. So I'm, I'm with you. He's got a lot of heart. He's got hustle. He's a really good player. I, I just don't think the NBA is for him. So I, I would not be shocked to see him return to Kentucky at all. 
And, of course, this, again, we're mentioning this because, like Chibwe, Janai Broom has a decision to make the next 48 hours. I've never seen uh, Jalen Williams officially make a decision. Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, I'm just, again. True. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I... That's not the decision we're talking about because we assume we know the decision. But to my knowledge, I have not. I, I think it's just kind of been understood that he would come back. Yeah. But um, I don't know if there's an official draft list I can right. grab Pull right from, now to right. see who's still see in. Who's but still I, in and out. Yeah. Never seen him leave that process. Right. And never, never heard him make an announcement. I'm back. No, right. So I'm not like trying that. to freak anyone out, but just that needs to be You're a formality. Out all of too. our listeners, right? Um, but you're scaring me. <laughs> well. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, he I, should be back. I don't know anything of the contrary. I will say but. on May 16th, he did post the like the NIL graphic or the on to victory graphic that every Auburn player is posted. That's true. So he is posting that as though he's still a member of Auburn basketball. So Yeah. Yeah, but Zepp also posted that. I think, and I hate yeah. to. I I think, and again, like that doesn't memory. mean anything. That could just be like, yeah. a, hey, just in case, if he decides to go, then whatever. But yeah, vague memory. Someone posted that and then got in the portal forty eight hours, and I forgot what sport it was in. So, <laughs> I, it was kind of like, hey, do this. I I, I think hey, was you do know, this. I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm not. I think he'll be back, but I'm just saying there's not been a public declaration, right? That. Uh, you know, he's back. But, uh, again, we expect the Broom decision today, not the 31st, given everything that he said on his socials. Uh, but, obviously, as we have less than 30 minutes left in the show, still uh, still nothing from him just yet. So, with that in mind, let's recap the previous weekend with... Now, time for the best. Woo-hoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. I could easily go best as Tom's shirt that he's got right now. Uh, <laughs> Bucky shirt. Uh, but uh, got a full studio, so Tom, why don't you lead us off? Uh, let's go uh, Let's go worst. Let's go worst. Oh. Oh, nope, you were ready for best. I'm I was sorry. ready for best. Go ahead and best. All right. Well, and it's also fitting that I have the Bucky shirt on because... Uh, I, now, I could go the Indy 500 because that was pretty darn cool, but... Uh, I Auburn's graphic about uh, only SEC school with a Bucky's and how that has like taken off and like all these people are doing uh, <laughs> like do, yeah. doing their different there's, their there's only that, only yeah. school with a so and so and yeah Lane Lane Kiffin was like the only, you know same type of graphic it was like the only gas station with chicken on a stick and Memphis did one and uh, several others have I think UAB did one yeah. um, so that. It was neat. Uh, it was kind of a cool graphic that Auburn did with the whole Bucky's thing uh, as like a recruiting pitch, and it was really neat. But then just the way it kind of became a viral sensation, and all these other schools started uh, kind of trolling Auburn with it and doing their own things. It was it was neat. I, I just I thought that was really cool. Even uh, the Mariners um, did something, but we have good news, Ryan. Yes, we do. Uh, thank you, Brant. Uh, he gets the credit for showing me the I had his the post tweet. notifications on. Nice. <laughs> that is why. Uh, so we do get the news as soon as we start this segment. Oh, well. Uh, best Jani- of the weekend. Yeah, best <laughs> of the weekend is that Janai Broom will remain an Auburn Tiger. 27 for, seconds ago. <laughs> another season. Do we have, um, our, do we have our cheering? Uh, yeah, I can get there. But um, So Janai Broom is coming back to Auburn. Uh, again, the beat writers were always more on top of this in the form of uh, he would be back. Um, we, I'm always just 
cautious because just putting together the tea leaves of the momentum that he had garnered uh, that, you know, again, you told me mid-season, Jani Broom's going to the NBA combine. I said, I don't yeah, think yeah, so. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's 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 great that he made that in your video game. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, credit to him. He hooped. For pooping down the stretch. And then also, I mean, playing really well at that G yeah. League invite because that's what got him one of those final spots in the NBA combine. So Jani Broom remaining in Auburn Tiger next season. <laughs> Oh, that really, that really scared me. I don't know Let's why. It snuck up on me, and I didn't expect. We, we should I jumped a little. Missed opportunities again. This is how you, you've got to have your mind in a lot of different places. Yeah. I could have done. <laughs> He's coming back. He's... <laughs> and been like that. Okay. I like his tweet. Unfinished business. Unfinished can we business. run it back, Auburn yeah, family? I like that. Uh, yes, we can, yes, and they will. Sir, and that, that makes me excited. All right. So starting center for Auburn is back, and now every beat writer's on it. There we go. Uh, I give credit. Brant broke the news, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. He was the my one first showing big us. news break. Yeah. <laughs> well. uh, turn those notifications on. So. Uh, again, Janai Broom back with team. We'll discuss a little bit later in the week the implications. We'll go through the whole roster, especially on the 31st when we know who is coming back and who not like the likes of Julian Phillips and that sort of thing when Auburn can or if they don't want to, but they can target one more portal guy, Torin Lawrence, a Vandy makes a decision, etc. cetera. Uh, we really get a, uh, a good feel for uh, the last scholarship or two that Auburn might target or if they feel their work is done in the portal. All right, best and worst of the weekend continues, though. Brant, best of the weekend? Uh, my best is going to be uh, making new memories over the weekend. Uh, it's not often I get to see the people that I grew up with anymore. Not often I get to see the people that I'm closest to, really. Um, so going to be able, to, so being able to go home and, and see them and hang out with them and stay up till like, 3 or 4 in the morning just ah, talking to, to people that I love has been uh, – that, that was needed, it was necessary, and I'm really glad I got to do it. That's awesome, man. Great. Uh, glad you had a great weekend <clears throat> back at home. Thank you very much. Uh, Cam, your best? Um, Just uh, actually the Braves game yesterday. Getting to getting to be able to go to a Braves game with my girlfriend. Uh, we had a great time, hung out in the battery, um, and, and just had a great time. Just It was just a, uh, excuse me, a last-second decision to really go we were um she and i were just hanging out on saturday and uh we were just kind of like you know let's let's do something let's see if we can't get something done and and we were trying to figure out when we'd be able to go to a braves game and we just kind of worked it out where the braves played today i didn't have to be up for work today so uh or played on on uh sunday and so we were like let's make it a day trip so we did and we uh we went up there and had a great time and uh the braves just raked i mean Man. 20 it's 11 uh, 11 runs on 20 hits um i mean batted around I, in the I first batted inning. around in the first inning i mean just phenomenal uh hitting and um just another great pitching performance from spencer strider i love seeing him pitch um i always enjoy that so yeah it was, that was my best of the weekend enjoyed that and it was and it was lauren's first braves game as well so that's i got to take her to yeah her they're not all first. like that. they're not all like that so i told her too i said they're not all like this i said but i'm glad you're here i'm yes. glad you enjoyed it i'm glad uh they got a win for the first game and you know what i uh mentioned this to brooks too despite the high scoring game it was still about a three hour even game yeah it did not drag on to no, like a, a four hour game yeah where They've changed pitchers five times and right. contemplating putting the position guys in. You know, I, I hate to admit that I was wrong, 
but somehow they found a way to make ba- baseball more high scoring and also make it go faster. It the really first, is. the first win of Rob Manfred's career. But darn it, it really he is. can have it. <laughs> I, it really is because this, that pitch clock really it really takes the time out of out of pitchers being able to really just you know slow things down how they want to do it and kind of play that mind game. They don't have the time to do it anymore, so they they have to yeah. throw a pitch and. I mean, hitters are hitting. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, they and, are hitting. You know, I, and I've seen a couple pitch clock violations for sure. I've also seen a couple batter violations. Right. You got to yeah. be ready by like an eight second mark, something like that. Uh, but as expected, there's not too many of those. The the players have kind of figured that out, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a good product. Um, something that again, they obviously. And some, I mean, I know some people like the pace of play to be slow and that sort of thing, and some will still want it that way. But um, again, for a sport that had been passed by by two leagues, where obviously they're newer, but to be the third league after being the first league for a while, and 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 of North America, you want to figure something else to try and improve it and improve the play. Um, so that's uh, everyone's best. My best is uh, the Indy 500. It is not necessarily, although I will say it's great to have someone survive an accident like that. Obviously, that's that's the best in itself that the car, an open wheel car, can sustain that because there can be some brutal wrecks. And I uh, mentioned off air, you know, no one in NASCAR has died in a while, but there have been a couple open wheel deaths yeah. uh, in the car. I remember it was a Dan Weldon, maybe yeah. about 15 years ago, 12 years ago. Uh, so tragic things can still happen. So it was great in itself that uh, that wreck was survivable. But also, uh, I appreciate uh, in the race itself the willingness to go uh, to red flags yep. to to actually preserve a finish because IndyCar does not have the same rules that NASCAR does. Where There's no overtime, right? Uh, you you run to that lap. Um, ha- however, it has caused several of these races, these great races, to go uh, and end under caution, and that's just not. I feel like that is archaic. I feel like they you should not ever be doing that. That would have been my worst of the weekend if if that had happened that way. So it becomes my best of the weekend. Would be hundred yeah. percent fair. Good for them for finding every way possible to survive a couple of those cautions and wrecks and be able to still produce a, a green flag a, finish. A, yeah, a, literally a one lap sprint. Yeah, that's I, all I, mean, I need. Just a, well, let, and, let them race. But they, but that but that's how close they were because even the announcers were saying. We don't know if we have enough. We don't know that they have enough time right. to do another red flag. And so that one team, the, the the driver that was in the lead at that moment, they were on pins and needles because they were thinking, we're probably about to win the Indy 500 right here because we're probably not going to get another red flag. And then at the last second, NASCAR threw the red flag. Yep. Do a one lap sprint, and then you had a pass on the la- you know on the last lap. Very last lap, they could have thrown the red flag. Otherwise, they would have to keep it, it under yellow and run right. the last two and, laps under yellow. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I mean that was intense. That that's one of the most intense Indy 500s I've ever seen. Yeah, and that, that was incredible. Third most lead changes ever yeah. at the Indy 500 too. Well, and so. well, and a lot of that a lot of that was the what they were calling the gentleman's agreement. Um, those open wheel cars are very susceptible to what they call the dirty air. And so um, a lot of times it's more beneficial for you to run behind another car. You save car. a lot of fuel that way. Right. Yeah. You save a lot of fuel. And a lot of, so it's a lot of times it's been more beneficial for you to run right behind a leader. And so what you would see is, you know, whoever was leading and whoever was in second, 
they would allow each other to pass. And that's kind of this gentleman's agreement that they would run several laps and then they'd let somebody else jump in and take the lead. And, and that was, well, yeah, you know, it was usually cause they had teammates there. At the well, top, no, no. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but it's also, I mean, you're preserving your car. It's, you know, right. You, you ride up, you ride up front, you get your points and then you let somebody else come in, take it and they get their points. And now you're conserving your fuel and you're running in the cleaner air. So, you know, that, that type of stuff is what was going on. So yeah, you had just a lot of that jockeying back and forth where they were allowing each other to switch. But then once you got there to the uh, towards the end, there there was no there was no gentleman's agreement. They they were they were damn it racing and they were damn it wrecking. Real, real quickly, don't have a lot of time. Real quick, your worst of the weekend. Uh, my worst comes from the Indy Five Hundred, and it was just the the amount of dadgum commercials. Good gracious, I, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen a sporting event that take that many breaks for commercial. I, I mean, they would show, they would come back, and I think you would get like two or three laps, and then they'd go to another commercial. You get two, three laps, and then they'd go to another commercial. Like goodness gracious, like how many how many commercial breaks do we need in this thing? It was just it was endless commercials through that whole race. It was just <clears throat> aggravating that you it just, it felt like you got more commercials than you did actual race time. Brant, uh, my worst of the weekend is going to be the discourse surrounding Auburn getting to host in the baseball regional. Um, a lot of people acting like it was a surprise, saying saying that Auburn should not have gotten to host that. Campbell should have gotten to host. I think that was the team that most people were complaining about. The Camels. Um, but hey, we used to do it, Hump Day updates. Hump Day updates. We do. Yeah. We are Camel football fans, uh, but in baseball, pound sand. Um, I, I think. <laughs> well, uh, I wouldn't go there's, there. there <laughs> pound sand. Whoa. There's a. There, <laughs> Auburn was projected to host. It was not a surprise that they got this host seed, uh, and the fact that people are suddenly acting like it's a, a giant shocking outrage uh, is. It seems not only or a conspiracy perform- because it's, John Cohen it's was for on clicks. Yeah, it's 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 clickbaity. It's performative and it's dumb. Stop doing dumb. Hey, you you literally have an Auburn writer who, in all of his projections, were talking about how Auburn was going to get a seed and, and get the well, host. And I was, D1 and baseball then, projected Auburn to sure. host. Everybody was projecting Auburn to host. Yeah, but but you know, talking about the performative clickbait stuff. I mean, you even have a writer that. Had had him, Auburn projected to host, and then once they host, now he's turning around like, well, I don't know if they should have deserved to host or not because the camera's like, you literally were talking about right. projecting them as a host, and now all of a sudden you want to uh, change your tune. Cam? My worst was game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Very frustrating to watch. I thought the Miami Heat had it. Jimmy Butler iced it. I thought, you know, there's no way. But Max Struess failed to box out Derek White, and now here we are. We, he, he somehow got the ball. I still don't even understand. Marcus Smart takes a dumb three fadeaway off the wing, and then and, and, and Derek White gets the rebound, which, Just to be fair, bounce right to it, happened, it bounced right to him. But to even be fair, Jason Tatum also did not get boxed out. He had an opportunity if the ball had fallen to him to get, to get the shot back up. So just frustrating to watch. Hated that the – I just don't like the Celtics at all. Uh, hated that uh, that they are now still alive. They get this game seven opportunity, and they might they might win. The chances are pretty high that they win. So here we are, and that was my worst of the weekend. Hate that it happened. Um, I'm sad. And go Heat, please win. Jimmy Butler, drop fifty. We need it. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it was actually my worst of the weekend too. Um, I just hated it for Miami's fans because this is back to back years. Yeah, where the same man. team and two different heartbreaks. I mean. Last year, Miami 
came all the way back in like three or four minutes. Yeah. Big run. It was not dissimilar from what actually. Really? I mean, they were down like nine points pretty right. late right. Uh, the other night. And then Butler had the pull-up three, which was well debated right. after the fact, but missed it. But I thought uh, that was a good shot. Right. Missed it, and, and then they lose that way. And it almost seemed like redemption story because I, I'm not enough. I didn't really see anyone make these parallels, but it popped in my mind. You know, at first it was the parallel being oh so close because Robinson misses the wide open three from that right. same right wing at right. first. But then the parallel of Butler gets fouled on that side of the floor shooting a three, right, and makes his free throws to go up one. Same situation. Um, and then, unfortunately, you know, the play itself. The the issue there is, and you know, they added time, which was the right call, but it went from two point one to three point oh. Well, that's what I, I've seen a lot debated on it, but the, fir- the initial contact happens with 3.0, yeah. goes into the upward shooting motion. But the you were call. talking, we're, we're, we're talking tenths of a second. I'm there, there's also there's a lot to it. I'm not mad, I'm not mad at that. I'm not. Um, the issue though is Miami's inbound defense. They they decided, and you see, I disagree. I thought it was good because they wanted Jason Tatum to not shoot that shot. For sure. And they wanted Jalen Brown to not shoot that shot. They they got who they wanted to shoot it to shoot it. The problem was is that he shot it so quick. He did. He, he treated it like there was a second left instead of three. And they actually were rewarded for being having a dumb shot because Smart had time to dribble right. out of that and find a pass or just pass again. And again, they didn't need a three because they were down one. Yeah. So literally any shot would have done it. It was actually a dreadfully stupid shot. I agree. If they don't put it back in, we're talking about that. And so you had sold everyone out to go to go cover that shot. And it's, it goes in the sports where it's a great play, but there is an element of luck <laughs> where to it. Would it have been awful. There yeah. is an element of luck to it because if that misses in a different way, yeah, Tatum is on the another side of the rim, but if it misses in a harder fashion and comes goes, off the rim, goes, rim, up, goes yeah. up, goes off the rim with more velocity in a different direction, you don't have time to catch no. it down low and bring it up to way White could just keep his arms up and just tip instead of have to bring it up to to get it up on the rim. It, it's fortunate the way the ball went off the rim that way. So, so fortunate. I hate it so much for Miami. Boston's going to win this thing now. I, I, <laughs> You're locked into that, huh? I, I, they're going to win this in. thing. I, yeah, I, you I can't, feel it. You can't, it's 5-0 when facing elimination. I so, I, I mean, it. you can't. I just I, I feel like it's a mountain of momentum. If Miami can win this game tonight. Man, I I don't know what the proper congratulations to oh, him, to Spolstra, to gosh. Butler, to that team is. There is, but, I don't know if there but is if, one. If they could survive that mountain of momentum, it would be uh, insane. We're about out of time for the show. Time for nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight got several movie picks. Brooks still did not put the NBA on the TV guide. He didn't do it. I'm I'm, I'm viciously he's, mad at him. He's committed to the bit. It's game seven, bro. Absolutely committed it's game to seven. the bit. Oh, I'm not going to read the movie picks as retribution. How's that sound? <laughs> seven o'clock. There's a great movie on here. I don't care. Seven o'clock. You can find it on our Twitter. NHL. Game six. Las Vegas Golden Knights. Dallas Stars. Stars at home. They're trying to force a game seven after being down 3 That's on ESPN. 
707, Valley Sports South, Atlanta Braves at the Oakland Athletics. Michael Soroka, you might have heard on the muck for the Braves. And then 7.30, NBA on TNT. Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, Game 7. So glad this game's on TNT. Uh, winner gets the right to play the Denver Nuggets. Also, weird situation. We don't know where the final starts. If Boston wins, it starts in Boston. Oh, you're right. If the Heat win, it starts in Denver. So oh, Denver does weird. not know where they are going. But uh, that is the case. Winner has the Nuggets. Thursday night will be game one. So game seven tonight, 730 on TNT. And that's Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw. Hard seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Cam, thank you for being here, sir. Hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Glad to be here. Brent, glad to have you back, sir. Uh, enjoyed having you on the program. We'll see you again later in the week. Thank you for having me. And Mr. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. We'll see you a little bit later. I guess we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, absolutely. I'll be here. And uh, we, of course, appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us today. He is at AUPP on Twitter talking all things Auburn baseball. And, of course, we always appreciate those that called in and tuned in today and of course we appreciate all those families out there that have lost a loved one uh giving uh, great uh, uh great sacrifice to this country we appreciate everyone out there that served and or lost a loved one for cam berry and brant daughtry and tom Peavy, my name is ryan the boy have a great monday a memorial day monday and we'll talk to you again tomorrow